Hello, I'm RJ City, and you are listening to the Monster Cast. You're going to talk about Bela Lugosi. They're going to talk about Lon Chaney Jr. He'd be so sad, holding his hat, saying, Please, put me in this room and don't unlock the door. And you can't do any better than the Doll Brothers. Jack and Ryan, they're brothers, but they're also bros. Uh, what? Pardon? Wrestling. Well, who the hell wants to talk about wrestling? These are horror movies. It's a deep genre. It's a smart genre. Fantastic actors. Fantastic cinematography. Wrestling is just sweating and fireworks and bouncy ropes. There's nothing. So how do you talk about that every week? All right. Let's see them try. Take it away, you crazy dolls. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap Fightful here. You're watching the Monster Cast with Jack and Ryan. A big shout out to those fellas. Good people. Check them out. Jake and Brian. Brandon Cutler here from AEW, and I hope you guys have an awesome podcast with the Monster Cast. What what was that? Your name is Jack and Ryan? Shut up, Jack and Ryan. Wrestling podcast? How fucking original. I guess I just I mean. Here's your host of the Monster Cast, the Straight Edge Monster Jack and Ryan. Let's go, baby. WrestleMania goes Hollywood. Welcome to the show. I'm Jack. That's Ryan. This is the Monster Cast um, on Twitch, Kick, and eventually on our YouTube as well as Spotify. Anchor, well, technically, I don't have to say Anchor anymore. Spotify is Anchor now. And uh, Apple and Google Podcast. So, appreciate everybody coming through. Let's go ahead and get those new prediction records. We finally have the updated records, guys. We had a shit ton of predictions that we did. We did the Ring of Honor predictions that we talked about. You can find the review and the prediction show on our YouTube. We did the um, NXT Stand and Deliver prediction and post-show review of that and wrestlemania night one now we're going to talk night two but before we do let me throw up the prediction records and my prediction championship because i still have it i'm 38 and 10 and ryan is 35 and 13 there, he gained buddy. a couple he gained some ground on me but i'm still champ um but let's talk about night two we got to talk about night two um let me pull up my notepad here 36 right. and 12 if we go off of no. what I said instead of what I picked, though. No. <laughs> 36 and 13 if we go off of shoot Shooter Kayfabe last week when you said that Jay White wasn't going to show up on the New York show. And he did. So. Yeah, I didn't think he would. Okay, That's... I agree, but it's still wrong. So this, you want to you wanna just start adding in random shit about what we said? Yeah. Or what we're thinking? <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about WrestleMania Night 2. I know what yeah. you're going to talk about, but we're going to talk about the undercard first, obviously. Um, overall, on paper, this should have been better than Night 1. We come back after Night 1 and we're like, man, Night 1 was pretty fucking good. Got us hyped for Night 2, all so that we could be disappointed with Night 2. Bianca beat Asuka, which I didn't agree with at all. 
Omos and Lesnar actually turned out to be a nice little four-minute fucking crazy-ass match. But it was the first match of the show that Brock Lesnar, so he could bounce and go back to Canada. Uh, so that's a prediction point for me, because I said that match was going to be fucking great, and it was. It wasn't great. It just was better than what we thought it was going to be. It was great. Um, the like women's it. showcase match was a mess. I've got Konami yelling at her, growling or making weird noises at cats outside my door, so that's not helping. I don't know if he's showing up. Hey, 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 hey! Shut up! Jesus Christ. Unprofessional. It, I mean, it is. He's being very unprofessional. It's not me. I'm not making the noises. Um, the women's showcase match was all over the place. Didn't like it at all. Um, Edge over Demon Finn Balor was fucking awful. By the way, Bru let's you wanna let's you wanna break some shit down. Let's break down this fucking Edge Finn Balor shit, right? So one, we already didn't want to see the match, right? We've we've seen him how many times now? This fucking feud is a year and a half old. At least don't want to see it. They try to attach Hell in a Cell to it so that it would make it. Uh, appeasing for us. Then they try to throw in Brood Edge, which wasn't Brood Edge, and Demon Finn Balor, and now Demon Finn Balor is 0-2 in his last two appearances, which literally makes it fucking pointless for him to even turn into Demon Finn Balor anymore. Um, you actually picked Edge to win this match, so what did you think of... The, yeah, this was one of the ones that we picked differently and you won, so... Was it a was it a case where you just thought that's where they were going, or did you really think that Edge should have won if you were booking it, or like how did it turn out in your eyes? What did you think of this match in totality? Um, I don't think Edge should have won in as far as who needed it more or whatever, but I don't think that Finn Balor at this point losing that match hurts him because Edge is somebody that you can lose to. It doesn't really hurt your credibility that much. Whatever. Here's the thing too. I agree with I that, but not as Demon Finn Balor. I think that does hurt. If it was regular Finn Balor, I completely 100% agree with you. The thing is, the demon shit hasn't meant anything in forever and doesn't really work with this current character anyway. So I don't think it really mattered. It, it was more like I'm putting on face paint and making funny noises than it was like a, a legitimate, like, oh, I'm pushed to some kind of limit, whatever. It didn't come off the same way. It didn't look the same. It didn't feel the same. It didn't change the style the same way. Like, it was... It was very much like demon in name and paint only, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so why I, I said I they shouldn't really even hurt. brought it back. They shouldn't even brought it back. But they had to do something special to make you want to see Hell this in for a Cell the eighth wasn't enough. time. Yeah, Hell in a uh, Cell wasn't enough for them. That should have told. If, if Hell in a Cell is not enough of an attachment to get your fans hyped, then you should probably not be having the match. I mean, I'm sure Edge fans were hyped. I'm not really big on Edge. Edge fans were hyped. I'm an Edge fan, and I that sh that was the worst entrance. I've ever seen in WrestleMania. That was the worst. Dumb. dumb. The worst. It made no sense. Yes, at least the other shit. If it's bad, at least it makes sense. Like if it's a bad musical performance or something like that. At least the that's their theme though, being sung by the actual person, something like that. No, that's one of the worst things. It's he was Brute Edge in Brute Edge being on the fucking his ring jacket and the Titan Tron alone. Nothing else about that fucking shit was had anything to do with the Brute Edge. Yeah. And the fire. Come on, man. But we've already seen it, too. We've already seen the actual Brood Edge entrance in this new yeah. Edge form. So, like, ever since he's been back from retirement, I mean. When he had it with, uh, who, Rollins, want, I believe? Did, did you want the puffy shirt? Is that what you're looking for? Yes! I want puffy shirt. I want blood. I want Gangrel's <laughs> music. I want Gangrel out there. I want Christian out there. I don't care. Like, if you're going to hype it up that much and then you come out there 
and literally wear something that you've never worn before, come out to a theme song you've never come out to before, it's so stupid. That didn't make any sense. Now, hold on now. That's not the issue, because when the guns did that on Wednesday, it was fucking great. The issue is just The that guns didn't have 20 years of fucking... Right. Okay. It's not, All right. It's not that it was new music. It's not. It's just that... You're no, not no, no, no. If he would have never said he was going to be Brood Edge, 100% right. agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, him attaching the Brood Edge to it made it fall flat big time. Yeah, I had, I wasn't crazy about it. I thought the helmet mask thing was kind of cool looking, but it, even that doesn't really fit with what he's trying to do. The whole thing was strange. I don't know why we're talking so much about the pageantry of it instead of the match itself. But the match wasn't the match that good either. It wasn't really that good, right? So um, the having to stop it for the three, four minutes while they uh, stapled up Balor's head kind of really killed whatever momentum it might have had. Uh, and then the rest of the match, I'm just kind of worried, like, oh, fuck, like, is he okay? Like, why do they have to stop it that long? Because you can't see anything with the paint anyway. Um, and I thought it was on his forehead because that seemed like that's where the ladder hit him, but apparently it was, like, the top of his head. I saw it after. And it's, it's a fucking gnarly gash. But, yeah, um... I don't know. I wasn't crazy about this match. I didn't understand the colored weapons. I didn't get that. What the fuck was that? In case they forgot which ones to use, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was very random. Almost yeah, makes you yeah. feel like Vince was in charge before Raw. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't have just wrapped tape around the ones that they're supposed to use on the foot of it or something? Like, that wouldn't have been as visually fucking weird as having a... Why would it matter? Any, I, the color that they took back out of this cell, they had to put it into something else. Because they used the steel cell, not the red one. So they had to use that color into other parts. So when what are we going to do with all this extra paint? Right. My thought was like, oh, maybe they color-coded them because there's something gimmicked under there that they need for later in the night. Like a different thing that's already set up a certain way for them to use. Um, and they're not supposed to touch that one. But then I was like, well, why the fuck wouldn't they just do something special to that one? Yeah, the whole thing made no sense. And then the match itself, I wasn't crazy about... Um, I think Ballard losing didn't hurt him, but if you ask me who should have won, I probably would still say Edge uh, probably shouldn't have won. I think Ballard needed it more to be more credible. You can't have everybody in Judgment Day go out and wrestle, and the only one that wins is Rhea. Like, it doesn't make your faction look very good. And Edge could have taken that loss, gone away for a little while, come back, actually been interesting, maybe wait till Randy's back or whatever. Something, just something different. Like, whatever they're doing right now... Uh, they don't really have a direction for either one of them. It sucks. Yeah, I mean, you could you could have had a really good Survivor Series matchup in November if you wanted to keep this going, which I guess, I mean, they're sort of kind of keeping it going because they're not with the edge, per se, but Dominic and fucking Ray, of course, because of Judgment Day coming up. I mean, not Judgment mm -hmm. Day, but uh, Judgment Day. Because of uh, Backlash coming up with uh, being in Puerto Rico or whatever. Like, I wouldn't even be opposed to just something fresh and new instead of seeing the same shit over and over. So, like, if we get to Survivor Series and I see Rey Mysterio, Bad Bunny, Edge, and Orton versus the Judgment Day, or something like that, where, like, Bad Bunny's in their corner, but Rhea's in the other team's corner, you know, something like that, and it's like a three-on-three -three elimination style match or something, that, I'd be cool with seeing something like that. Um, I don't know, I'm just tired of seeing, like, pretty much the whole, this whole group of people together. So, like, Orton would have put, like, some fresh blood into it and seeing Rated RKO back together would have been kind of cool. And then, like, oh, the 2006 roster was so hot and you got those three main guys from that that everybody posts that stupid fucking picture of of the 2006-2008 roster or whatever it is. 
the SmackDown roster is literally Edge, Orton, and fucking uh, Rey Mysterio. So that would have been kind of cool. Uh, but no, I didn't. I was not feeling that match at all from the jump. Um, Bianca and Asuka was a good match. Wasn't nearly as good as Rhea and Charlotte. But then, of course, having Asuka lose really fucked it up for me. And obviously, me and you are both on record. We're Bianca fans. I'm a huge Bianca fan. I don't know if you are or not, but I'm a huge Bianca fan. Um, but she's had it for a year. You built up Asuka with her new fucking gimmick. She comes in third at the Royal Rumble. Comes out challenge. Uh, comes out and wins Elimination Chamber to get the shot at Bianca. Playing mind games the entire time, attacks her, and then ends up losing again at WrestleMania. Yeah. Why? Why kill her fucking new character that fast? Not sure. It sucked. Asuka definitely should have taken it here. If they if they want Bianca to still be champion, you had plenty of opportunity to do that by having her drop it at Backlash. Uh, or having Asuka drop it back in a rematch at Backlash or something like that. But there's no fucking reason to have Asuka be like, what is she now, 0-5 at WrestleMania's? It's completely insane. The way that they built this whole thing, there was no reason to have anybody but Asuka win. Um, maybe they're trying to do some kind of like... Bianca Belair has a really long run thing. They seem really into the idea of really long runs now. If you look at the Gunther stuff and the the Rain stuff, who knows? But it, it wasn't the right call. Agree. Um, let's talk about my favorite match of both nights. And that was what I said Snoop was going to be the versus The Miz, yeah. Anyway, that's what I said was going to be the best match. And that is Gunther defending the IC title against Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Um... Super excited about this match. This match lived up to the hype that we all thought it was good. The hype that we gave it, really. Not really. WWE didn't give it that much hype. They should have. Um, when we saw the rosters of the matches that were going to be on Saturday and Sunday, and we are like, damn, they really uh, backloaded these matches. And then when that one was one of the very few, besides Roman and Cody, that delivered on the hype or what, what we thought was going to be good, right? It was really the only saving grace for the show. I gave um, it a C. I think I gave the overall night a C. And it was pretty much based off this match alone. This match yeah. was so fucking good. And by the way, Titus O'Neil, two for two on commentary. Two yeah. for two. Night one and night two, he did awesome. He did awesome in the men's WrestleMania showcase match and this match on commentary. I thought it was great. He did a good job. Yeah. I don't think he's bad. Um, I can see it getting... Uh, repetitive yeah yeah because sure. he, he kind of hit the 911 line a lot but it was funny when he first said I laughed out loud I was like, like what What would you do if you call <laughs> if you got chopped like that 911 that shit was so funny dude I was like yes accurate same yeah. um, but no he had some good moments though uh, okay so did it live up to the hype for you though did I'm, I gave it 5 stars Meltzer gave it a 4.75 uh, no he gave that one a 5 right yeah he gave that a 5 he gave the the what the only thing that me and Meltzer really disagreed on as far as ratings go for both nights was I would have flipped the Usos and Sami Zayn or the Usos versus Sami Zayn and Owens rather that matches ratings with the Charlotte Rhea. I gave Charlotte Rhea five and the tag team four point seven five. He did the opposite. I don't know why he didn't give them the five. They definitely deserved five stars. That match was great, especially when you see. Uh, how you know how good Asuka is. You know how physically gifted Bianca is. And then they clearly outdid their match. How do they not get five? That was crazy to me. 
it, it was also strange that he came out after that match initially and said something on Twitter like right afterward about um, he said yeah Rhea Ripley defeats Charlotte in one of the greatest women's WWE matches of all time or whatever and I was like yeah probably if you compare them up against the other ones but I guess there aren't it's not like there's a lot of five star women's matches in WWE history either so it could still be true and not be a five star match in him. I don't know I don't know I, I don't know what his specific issue was stopping him from the last point two five, but it's such a like minor difference no i agree that it's a minor thing but i'm just saying i thought it was interesting because we pretty much had the exact same thought process that i would have flipped those two but here's yeah. the thing you know the jokes that everybody makes oh if it would have happened in japan if it would have happened at the tokyo dome it would have been five stars in this case i kind of believe that is a conspiracy theory from wwe fans obviously but if that match between Rhea and charlotte happened at the tokyo dome there's no way that motherfucker's not giving it five stars that match was good Really fucking good. Um, but as far as the triple threat IC title match, what did you think of that? Uh, also good. Strange choice with the finish because I don't know who they have left to go against Gunther now. Same thing as a lot of the other stuff. It's just like you, you've booked yourself into this dominant guy has a really long reign and beats the shit out of everybody that we could possibly put against him on the way. What's your plan now? Um, I understand McIntyre not winning because... He's already in a situation right now where he doesn't. Yeah, we're going to really talk about that later. His contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to um, talk about that later. But Sheamus seemed like an obvious choice. The crowd was super behind him the whole time. Uh, they were behind him even in the exchanges that he was having with McIntyre. Um, and it would have made him a, a Grand Slam champion finally, which he's never had. Obvious the, uh, choices were not what they were hitting on on night two, guy. Yeah, it's it's almost like they were trying to shock people but it wasn't like a, oh i'm so shocked it was like oh that's fucking stupid what are you doing uh, like i said on twitter i was like why the... would you release like sixty thousand angry la people out into the world at the same time i feel like that's what they did on night two now i'm not saying a lot of people had a problem with gunther winning but agreeing with you let's say i picked gunther so not that big of a deal to me but i would have been cool with sheamus winning the only reason i didn't want sheamus to win is because you picked him and i didn't so but i would have been cool with it like you said, Grand Slam champion for Sheamus. Asuka over Bianca, and if you would have had Cody over Roman, people would have been coming out of fucking WrestleMania from both nights saying that was one of the best WrestleManias of all time. And instead, what happened on night two, you got a fucking firestorm started on the internet. And then you had Triple H's dumbass comments in the press conference afterwards that did not help the cause. So, I don't remember if anybody remembers this, but a week or two ago, we had uh, that Mark that tweet from Dangor about Triple H saying that Gunther wasn't ready, right? And then if you watch the press conference after this fucking show, now Gunther's magically ready because of that one match? You gotta be fucking kidding me, dude. That pissed me off. His his uh, his Walmart manager uh, answer to why Cody didn't win was fucking stupid and pissed everybody off. Huh. It was night two was just a bunch of bullshit, honestly. And I know that we both picked Cody, I believe, right? But you wanted Roman to win. I did want Roman to win. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it because that was obviously something that we disagree on. Um, yeah. Why are you glad that Cody didn't win, or are you more glad that Roman won instead of Cody not winning? Is that more of it? Is that more accurate? If Cody, because we're both Cody fans, we've said it many times on the show. Yeah. So it's not like it, you didn't want Cody to win. You just don't have make, an issue with Roman winning. I like making fun of Cody, but I like Cody. 
Um, both can be true at the same time. Uh, the it's not that I wanted. Okay. If Cody had won, I would have been fine with that. I would have been like, okay, it's obvious what they're doing. They're picking the obvious, like, oh, he's finished the story, blah, 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 whatever. Would have been fine. I wanted Reigns to win because there's a few reasons. First of all, it's a lot harder to rebuild a 1,000-day reign than it is to give the title to Cody sometime at a later date. Um, if you're going for... Like, things that you can point to down the line as being significant or whatever. Like, you can go 10 years from now and say, oh, yeah, Cody won that belt at WrestleMania, and that was the first time he'd ever had it, and it was a cool WrestleMania moment. But I think it's a lot cooler to be able to look back and say, you remember when Roman Reigns was champion for, like, a thousand and fucking whatever many days? And that's a lot harder to replicate. So if you're already on the cusp of doing that, I think if you're if the goal that you're that you have is to do something significant, and either way, like both of them are significant. I think the more significant thing of the two is breaking a thousand day reign. He'd be one of only five people that have ever done it. Um, pretty much the first person to do it in the modern era. And that's not something that with the way that wrestling booking and modern booking and stuff like now works that you could ever easily just like start again without a bunch of people getting pretty fucking upset about it. Like they already are with this one. Um, obviously he's never going to break the 2038. Uh, the 2038 day record um, because I think that would require him going all the way to WrestleMania 20 or uh, Wrestle, yeah, to whatever WrestleMania it would be in 2028, he would have to get to to break that one, um, I think. But yeah, it's, it's just fucking insane. Like, I don't, um, I mean, assuming he would were to lose it out of WrestleMania, obviously, it would hit the actual day mark a little bit earlier, but um, yeah, like, I. I don't, uh, I don't have a problem with this. I think it was the right call. I think that Cody's story was never, I need to win at WrestleMania because my dad didn't win a belt at WrestleMania. It was always just, I want to win the belt because it's a belt my dad never had. It doesn't require a specific pay-per-view. It doesn't require a specific arena, location, whatever. The whole point of his story is just wanting to win that belt. He could do that at any fucking time. He could do that at SummerSlam. It'd still be a big moment for him. He'd still finish his story or whatever the fuck. Um, and they haven't finished telling the story of the bloodline disintegrating. So the whole story so far has been Reigns maintains championships by having the bloodline interfere or whatever. So the story you really want to tell with Reigns is that he gets to a point over the next however many months until, like, let's say it is SummerSlam, where the bloodline does actually slowly fall apart even though he's won. Um, he has no more backup. He has no more Solo Sokoa to help interfere and help him win. And when he's at the moment where he would need that to win, he realizes, fuck, I don't have anything. Have no family, no help. Everything's completely disintegrated. Jay's turned on me, whatever. And then you have Cody beat him there. Or, more interesting to me, you'd have Jay win first, and then Cody can take it off of Jay. But either way, uh, I think this was the right call long-term as far as making a moment of more historical impact and as far as telling the more interesting story. Okay, so here we go. So I'm going to play the other side of this and I'm going to disagree with almost everything you said. Um, and that's not saying that you're wrong per se. It's obviously your opinion, but this isn't one of those things where I'm going to fight you to the death over it. Here's my, here's my pushback on it, though. I do think... Or I, the one thing I do agree with you, actually, is that it didn't have to happen at WrestleMania. The reason why everybody thinks it had to happen at WrestleMania is because that's how they fucking built it up. So if they would have built it up at SummerSlam, 
then I would have been okay with that. But now the moment's gone. That was his one chance to do it as far as all the build that you put into the fucking program, right? Him coming back from the pec injury, him winning that fucking Royal Rumble, going to WrestleMania for it. There, That's their fuck up. That's not the fans fuck up. Saying no one's, no one's saying he has to win at WrestleMania. That's how they built the program. Two, he's not going to beat Bruno San Martino. I agree with you. There's no fucking way in hell he's going to beat Bruno, Bruno San Martino's record. Therefore, no one really gives a fuck how long he had the title. I don't care about a thousand I a thousand day reign because he's not going to beat Bruno anyway, so that's pointless. Number three, I don't I don't see how you cannot still tell the story of the bloodline disintegrating if Cody wins it. That even gives it a bigger chance to happen. That 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 helps progress that storyline even more because now why are we listening to you when you couldn't beat Cody and you didn't want us out there? The disintegration part. It's important because the way that he's been able to maintain the championships so far has been having that at his back. So the story you want to tell is that when he no longer has it, that's when he loses it. I think that makes more sense than him losing it and then falling it falling apart because he didn't win the match. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could look at it either way. Hey, Athena. Um, so I understand what you're saying. I just don't agree. I also don't... I, I don't know why you would think that him not crossing the the 2038 thing means that it's not still worth doing um it's not worth doing because no one the way that the way that people consume wrestling now especially wwe fans they don't give a fuck about a thousand day reign when he didn't beat anybody and beat kevin owens like five times within that reign and he only wrestles at fucking four pay-per-views a year no one cares about that, dude. Okay, I, that's that's not true, though, because, listen, when you tell somebody that Randy Orton is a 13-time world champion, are they sitting there like, well, who did he beat every time to do? No, you just hear 13-time world champion. You're like, oh, fuck, he's had the belt 13 times? That's crazy. So same thing with a uh, thousand-day reign. You look five, ten years from now, and you're like, oh, shit, he had that belt for a thousand days? That's fucking crazy. Nobody could do that anymore. And... It, nobody's thinking about the specifics of that reign like oh yeah he was taking a bunch of time off or he was on like a lighter schedule he only defended the belt however many times it's been like it's the number itself that people focus on and attach the weight to it's not the specifics of the reign itself you do the same thing with john cena you, you think about how many times he's been world champion or whatever and you're not sitting there thinking oh yeah well the first time you won it from blah 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 next time it was like a four-way match where he didn't put the ship like nobody does that okay i'll give you that but here's the thing is no one's also doing it with fucking Bruno San Martino until someone gets to a certain amount and then they have to mention it. So no one's randomly on a fucking roll talking about Bruno San Martino being one of the best of all time because he held it for 2,038 days. So think, why in 20 years would it matter how long Roman had it? No one's going to be talking about it. I think they do do that, though. No, they don't. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. And they haven't mentioned goddamn CM Punk's long-ass reign for who, who knows how long, ever since he was gone from the company. If Bruno, if Bruno San Martino hadn't been champion for 2,038 days, how often do you think he would really come up in any modern conversation? What are you talking about? He would be coming up all the time to do his fucking insane. I don't think so. How, how often do you hear him mentioned at he all outside out. of the fact that he was the longest champion? It doesn't matter. He sold out Madison Square. He's the one that fucking put WWF on its back. On his back, rather, I should say. Yeah. But again, how often do you hear people talk about Bruno Sarmantino outside the context of him having the really long reign? Not not really that often. Okay, let's use somebody that doesn't have the longest reign then. Let's use a Bob Backlund who had the second longest reign. 
Yeah, it comes up a lot for that too. It also comes up a lot for um, for him losing the, to the Iron Sheik with the towel being thrown in. Yeah, because of his fucking because of his baby face good looks or but whatever back in the day because he was the American he was the American. <laughs> Which is always funny because if you look at a picture of me, he just kind of looks like a you know some dude at a Nebraska gas station. But yeah. um, <laughs> he was a he was a every he was an everyday guy looking guy. You know, I agree. Yeah. But people talk about Bob Backlund not because of his fucking reign. They talk to him and talk about him because of his fucking... Because of Arnold Skyland fucking thrown in the towel. So, like, but it's no, not, not going to be relevant with everybody that's up there, is what I'm saying. But no it, one's talking about CM Punk's long-ass reign because CM Punk had other things that you can attach to his name. That does come up in the context of his reign because we're talking about how his reign ended. Um, and I think if you look five, ten years from now and you say, okay, well, when people are talking about Roman Reigns, what do they remember? They remember that he was champion for... Uh, crazy long amount of time it was over a thousand day reign i think that's how it's going to play out we'll see that's fine if you if you think that that's how people are going to remember it. and the roman stands will definitely try to throw that in your face every time you say something about somebody else but then if you break down individual reigns his reign is not better than anybody else's that's had anything close to him cm punk when he had the 900 day reign or whatever the fuck it was 600 day whatever the fuck it was when he had it forever before he lost it to the rock i believe is when he lost the, when he lost his really long reign he was defending it every fucking pay-per-view. That in of itself is fucking a better reign than Roman's, where he only defends it once every three months. Well, most defenses are a different record than the longest reign. So no, I know. I different. agree with that. I'm just saying, but that, that helps build the reign, though. Just because you hold it forever doesn't mean shit. Dean Ambrose had the U.S. title for how long and defended it two times? No one's be like, oh, yeah, that's a great fucking reign because he had it for so long. You, you can't take one and not the other. They both play a part into it, is what I'm saying. I think there's a difference between a, a mid-card title and the world title, though. Um, just as far as weight, gravity, how people view it, whatever. Like, there's there's it's one thing to be forgotten on the mid-card long enough before somebody's like, oh, that guy's still fucking champion, versus being the top of the card. Okay, well, let's talk um, about somebody else that didn't defend it that often because there wasn't that many pay-per-views when he had it for a longest time, and Hogan. No one's mm -hmm. talking about how long Hogan's reign was. They just talk about how long he had the title and was pushing everybody down. How's that? Nobody's talking about how long his reign was, but they're talking yeah, about how long Yeah, as far as days go. You're talking about a thousand day reign. You're talking about a specific yeah. number. Okay, well, no one's talking about specific numbers with Hogan's reign. I think that's because Hogan, as a as a wrestler, has so much other shit attached to him that he does. that's not the first thing you think of. You think of the WCW stuff. You think of, like, the big heel turn, him always trying to politic, him trying to glom onto other fucking people. Like, it's... That's a, that's a hard comparison to make because he's... He's brought up for a lot of different reasons in different contexts. Um, but I, th I think the Bruno, San Bruno San Martino thing is interesting because I don't hear that many people talk about him outside the context of his reign. And I think people will talk about reigns outside the context of his reign too. But I think being able to point to a number like more than a thousand days adds a lot of weight to him and his history that would be hard to replicate and hard to do if you were only able to say... Oh, yeah, he was champion for 954 days. No, I, okay, so I, I think I get what you're saying. So, like, you're basically saying that kids today won't know the importance of Bruno San Martino unless they were there then. The only reason that they know how strong he is is because of the reign being 2,038 days. Right. So in 20 years, when we don't have anybody that's really great, and then they, or as far as, like, reigns, I mean, any great reigns, and then they somebody gets the title and they're getting approaching a roman type number then those people are going to be like oh same same concept just with reigns being the bruno and the new person being the new reigns right yeah but i still don't 
I still don't think you need to hit the thousand to have that. Um, I think it's just a, a consequence of human brains working on like a base 10 system. Like you, you attach more significance to somebody being with a company for 10 years than you do for them being with a company for nine. Like your, your 10 year company award is always going to be bigger if than I say somebody has award. it for not, if I say, if I say, oh, this is the closest Rainey's had or that anybody's had until, uh, except for, uh, Roman when a 950 plus day reign. If they, somebody says a thousand plus day reign, it's not that big of a difference to me. I don't care. Like, I understand that they're very close together as far as number of days in the reign. I don't think that's why, I re that's a reason to have Cody lose right here. I, I want to see, I want everybody not... to go watch Cody in a vacuum, just his entrance at WrestleMania, and then tell me how the fuck he was supposed, how he lost that match. It's not the... With that reaction. It's not just saying a thousand in and of itself. It's being able to say Roman Reigns is one of only five men in wrestling history to have a belt for a thousand days, to have a world championship for a thousand days in WWE. In his, in the history of this company, there's only But it would have been the same thing, the same thing would have been true at 954 days though. Yeah, but nobody wants to say, oh yeah, he's one of only guys to hold a belt for 954 days. Saying over a thousand days is just, it's more impactful. Yeah, that's not, that's not worth having someone lose in the main event of WrestleMania. It's worth it because Cody winning at WrestleMania wasn't requisite for his art. I understand that, and I already agreed with that part. But so the, my problem is, is that so fucking that's, that's what important. you built it up to. Then don't have Cody versus Roman at WrestleMania. Then, well, you still have to do that. No, you don't. Don't have him who win else? the Royal Rumble. This is a WWE problem, is what I'm telling you. Who else was built up to a level where it would have made sense to have them go against Reigns at WrestleMania and have been as big of a deal, except for doing Sami Zayn again? Rollins. Rollins has not been high enough on the card. If Rollins like, would have won the Royal Rumble, it would have everybody would have been just as hyped for that match. I totally agree with that. I think the the selling point of that would be last time we wrestled, you got a DQ finish because you couldn't finish me the real way. Blah blah blah. We had that, that Royal Rumble match where he came out to the Shield music, um, and I think you could have sold that fine, but I don't think it would have made any sense for Rollins to win that. I didn't say uh, Rollins had to win. That's my whole point. Well, I would have been okay with Roman beating either. Rollins That's at WrestleMania. Point. Cody didn't have to win either. That's my point. No, I'm saying he does. That's where we disagree. That's the whole. Why? That's my whole point of this. What if is the WWE would have set up somebody else instead of Cody winning the Royal Rumble, then I've been okay. What's the functional difference between Cody winning there and Cody winning at SummerSlam? Functionally, for his story. Did you not hear the goddamn crowd? There, yeah, I heard the crowd. You think people? Okay, this is my point right here. Cody is going to get fucking turned on by the fans by SummerSlam. I don't think so. I do. They already started on Monday. I don't think so. Holy shit. He's about to get the Lex Luger treatment. And like I fucking said from the beginning, I'm telling you, he's going to be booed by SummerSlam. I think when he does his little heroic baby face win over Brock Lesnar, that they'll be behind him again. I'm glad you and think he's going to beat Brock Lesnar with Vince in charge. Oh, Vince isn't in charge we'll get to that we'll get to it <laughs> there's no way cody's beating brock lesnar um i don't think there's any way that cody does, doesn't have specifically in his contract that he's going to win the the title at some point you don't come over from the company that you helped found to win the title without having that as a condition of your signing i i mean if he doesn't have it in his contract then i gotta say that even though i'm a cody fan that's pretty fucking stupid since that was well, the whole reason you went back over. I think I think he's a savvy enough business person to have done that. And I don't think that it was ever guaranteed that it would be at WrestleMania. 
I think this works fine for his story arc. You can do the... Here's the thing, too. It doesn't look great for... And we haven't talked about this part of it. I don't think at all. But it doesn't look great for WWE to build up their main guy for almost a thousand days, have him be dominant over every person from their own company that they put him against. Then you have a guy who was only mid-card last time he was ever in your company. You get him from a competing company and you say, yeah, this guy from the competing company that was only a mid-card guy when we had him is so strong now after working at this other company and we've got so much stock in him after he left and then came back that we're going to have him go over our most dominant champion in, in fucking two decades the first time he wrestles him. It doesn't make two sense. Names. Two words. Drew McIntyre. The same fucking thing. Did yeah, the same thing. Okay, and Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Cody didn't beat Brock Lesnar or beat uh, Roman at WrestleMania. Same fucking thing. Mid-card guy that left to a worse company, by the way, in Impact, a lesser-known company. Came back. They pushed him to the fucking moon. He wasn't going over their most dominant person in fucking decades. This, he, there was Brock Lesnar's not their most dominant person in decades no. before Roman came up with his reign? No. Yes, he no, was. Because here's the other part. The belts were still split at that time, too. Now, that part I agree with. The belt split is a completely different thing, though. You're talking about a former mid-card guy coming in after putting himself over at another company. Well, kind of. Getting himself over at another company is a better way to put it before he started fucking up at the end. Coming in and beating your most dominant double world champion. It doesn't look good. It's... it's, I I don't think it would have made sense. In Triple H's eyes and his mindset, having Cody wins or winning that match would have done wonders for him with his future shape of his roster. Now you've already lost out on FTR, you've lost out on Jay White, you're not getting Ibushi. These are all guys that Triple H wanted in his fucking promotion, and then Vince comes in, and now look at what the fuck's going on. They're all fucking saying staying away, and who knows who else is staying away from WWE because of what they're doing with Cody. I don't give a fuck, dude. I'm telling you right now, Cody's going to get booed by SummerSlam, and he's going to be in the exact same position he was in in AEW, except for when they tell him that his ass is turning heel here, he has to do it. There is no, oh, I'm an EVP. I don't think that's a good idea. Do you think that the plan wasn't always for Reigns to have a... To, like, do you think that it was ever 100% set in stone? that Cody was definitely going to win and then Vince came in and changed it? Is that what you think happened? I don't think it was 100% set in stone that Roman was going to win at WrestleMania. I don't think they, they knew for sure which way they were going to go, but no, I don't... I agree with that part of it, but here's the thing. is like, if I'm building a roster and I'm Triple H and I'm looking at all these fucking people that I brought back and they're not fucking... Uh, they're not fitting the bill here with fucking Gargano and Hit Row and all these motherfuckers that you missed out on because these are the guys that Tony Khan didn't take. And you took these guys back after Vince left. Because we got to remember, these are all the people that Vince fucking let go of, right? So none of these guys are doing it for you. Then you're trying to start to go to the outside, kind of like you do with NXT Black and Gold. Like, okay, I can I can figure this out. You got the tampering fucking things with uh, Cody, Jericho, uh, FTR, other people like that, Andrade, shit like that. Now people see how, especially after Monday night, which we're going to talk to, well, I'll talk about in a second. Uh, especially what happened with Monday night, and then it's with the deal, with the sale and shit, you're telling me that those people aren't fucking second-guessing, hey, I was thinking about possibly going back over there, but now it's like, nah, fuck that, and that this doesn't have something to do with it? I mean, I think they would be second-guessing going back over there just based on the instability of the company and Vince being involved at all, not necessarily the booking. I think the booking could have all still gone the exact same way, and they would still have the same second-guessing. Here's the deal. I would have been cool 
if it was Roman versus Rollins, if Rollins would have won. Like, for instance, okay, so if they didn't have the Logan fucking Paul shit, right? Let's just say Cody comes back at number 30. Everybody thinks Cody's going to win. Rollins throws out Cody to win. Mm -hmm. I would have been 100% completely on board with that because we and you thought it was dumb to have Cody coming in and beat Rollins, who was your most over guy on Raw, fucking three straight times, four straight times, whatever the fuck it was. That was stupid to us, if you remember correctly. So, yep. if Rollins throws him out, now he's got a one-up on Cody, okay? So now, Rollins can go to WrestleMania, lose at WrestleMania with a just as fascinating story as far as their history as The Shield and all this other stuff. And like you said, the last time he only won by DQ or whatever, so he didn't get the title type deal, but he actually won. You have all that. You have Romans could still be just as scared of, of Seth as he was of the unknown in Cody or whatever, of dropping his title. He could still have the dissension afterwards between the Usos and Jay and stuff, even in victory over Rollins. And then Cody could have done something else at WrestleMania. And then you could have had fucking Cody go on and beat Roman at either SummerSlam or the next year's WrestleMania or something, still doing that story thing. Getting up to that point and then not pulling the trigger on Cody, that's where I have the issue with it. If Cody would have never... I'm not even saying Cody had to be in that position. That's where your point is to, um, oh, do you think it has to happen at WrestleMania? No, I don't. But because Cody was in that position, yes, I do. It could be happen. It could have happened at Backlash this coming up month or whatever. I'd be like, okay, if Cody's in that and that was his first time going against Roman, that's where you pull the trigger. It didn't have to be WrestleMania. It only had to be WrestleMania because that's where the fuck they put Cody in against Roman. I think whatever, wherever that first meeting between them two, between the two were, that's when Cody should have won. This just happened to be at WrestleMania. I would have been 100% okay if Cody was never in the main event at WrestleMania for this WrestleMania. I think where we're going to differ on that is that I don't think he should win the first meeting between them. You, it's it's the same thing that I was kind of touching on where like you can't have somebody that was only ever mid-card in your company come in after, uh, we'll call it a advanced excursion, uh, come in and beat the most dominant guy that you've had in your company in such a long time the first time that they wrestle. It just doesn't make sense. Well, here's the thing is, um, you know, the whole adversity that all these people are talking about that Cody has to overcome or whatever to get the title. He could have done that on the way to Reigns. He doesn't have to do it against Reigns. I think that having the... So this is where I actually think that works better with the story, is that you tell the story that he thought he was going to come in and feel like this is his birthright, and he was just going to come in and, and beat the guy. But you are you haven't actually done enough in your time off to come in and beat the guy. Um, so now he goes back and he does, okay, well, now I'm going to do the Lesnar path, and then... What, probably one more thing they have for him after that and then go back and maybe now you're ready for the guy that's how they have to sell it to make their company look better you can't have somebody from from fucking aew come in and just beat your guy on the first time they, they goes against him it just doesn't make sense here's well, the thing you too, the guy from them. aew come in and beat your second best guy four times in a row then rollins wasn't the second best guy on the card we know that he's up as far as like actual talent we know that he's probably the hard to say right, there's an argument to be made that he's the best wrestler that they have um, the only that's other not where person that's even close is AJ Styles, dude. Okay, but that's not where he was on the card, just like it's not where AJ is on the card right now. Um, so it doesn't really mean anything to say that. The other part of that is I'm weighing the value of Cody winning at WrestleMania versus Cody winning at SummerSlam, and the value difference isn't really that much versus the investment that they would have to make to have another 1,000-plus day reign to be able to point to going forward and the value of where he wins 
isn't really that much. It doesn't matter. For the story that they're telling, it doesn't matter where he wins. So I understand they built the thing, they were going to WrestleMania, they were building it as a, his big WrestleMania moment, whatever the fuck. That helps the story because that didn't happen. Now he has to go back and actually do whatever work to get back to that point and take on their guy. Um, okay, I, so if, if, if you don't this. think Rollins was the second best guy when Cody came in, who do you think was? Hi, McIntyre. Nah, I disagree. disagree. As far as from a booking McIntyre point, was and then they also down the card when Cody came in. They also had Lashley pretty high up on the card by then, uh, much higher than Rollins was on the card for sure. I mean, they they had a few people that they were booking much better than they were Rollins when Cody came in. All right, let's move on. That's our review for WrestleMania Night Two. Oh, I guess I should ask you grade. I gave it a C. What was your grade for Night Two? Oh, after the rains went A plus, A plus plus. No, um, the whole card was kind of. Flat. I didn't like the Oscar stuff. I think the crowd was okay. Oh, and the other issue that I had with Triple H's press conference was, oh, this is just one part of the story. This is just, who said that WrestleMania had to be the finality of the story? Literally every WrestleMania you've ever had is the finality to the fucking story. That's literally what WrestleMania is. What are yeah, you talking you about? It's never been a launching pad like it's a fucking episode of Monday Night Raw for another part of the story. The only time that's ever happened was with fucking The Rock and Cena came back out the next fucking night or some shit and said, talking about something they were going to wrestle at the next WrestleMania, but then it wasn't really a week-to-week thing. It was just, hey, we're going to wait a whole fucking year to wrestle again. That's not a fucking story. I think That was fucking annoying. I think Who the way he worded the finality? that was... He's dumb. That was a terrible press conference. Uh, the way he worded that was strange, but the way that I would reword it for him if I'm trying to steal man with his point is that WrestleMania isn't necessarily where you close stories, but it is kind of where you close chapters. So the chapter of Cody working his way up to take on the best guy and thinking that he's going to win, he loses. That's the end of this chapter. Now starts another chapter. It's not a story thing. Um... But him, him spinning is like, oh no, it's just still the same fucking arc. It's not really like in the in the we talked about the hero's journey before, especially in context like Jade Cargill and stuff like that. But in narrative-driven storytelling with protagonists, you do have kind of the rise, the dilemma, the conflict, whatever, the fall, and then the rise back up in whatever hero arc. So um, for him to come in, be dominant over Cody. Uh, be dominant over Reigns or not Reigns Rollins several times and then just all of a sudden beat their top guy there is no fall and you can try to spin the story as the fall is him leaving and then his hero's journey was building himself back up or whatever but that shit does nothing for WWE or WWE storytelling not within the context of WWE so you can't just say oh yeah his his whole hero's journey was outside the company actually Um, and then he built himself back up and he came back in and it's been a straight up arc ever since it's not good storytelling well, I'm not going to fucking feel bad because WWE doesn't want to acknowledge anything outside of their company. Uh, sure, that's part of it. Because if they did acknowledge stuff outside of their company, like that is a fucking, uh, it's all one shared universe and not a fucking multiverse, then mm-hmm. the story would have been fucking insanely well told. Yeah, but then the story they is... They could have used he, Japan too. The story is he leaves... He goes to some other companies. He kind of gets sort of high on the card in a couple places. He becomes some weird, like, half-co-leader of Bullet Club for a while before everyone tells him to fuck off. Goes to AEW, loses pretty much every major match, and then on his way out loses to Sammy fucking Guevara. Like, that's not a, that's not the arc that you would have 
for the guy that's coming in to beat your top guy. So I, I mean, even that wouldn't really make sense. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, you don't don't use the AEW shit. You could just use the New Japan stuff. You could use the NWA stuff when he won the NWA title from Nick Aldis at All In. I I think the story is fine. I understand why people are upset, but I think the story is fine, and I think it's better this way. So. I don't think the pop will be significant enough, and that's assuming he even wins the title at this point, which I don't think that's even uh, set in stone either. Because I don't think the fans are going to still be on his side like they were at WrestleMania come SummerSlam. So when Sami Zayn lost, do you think the fans are any less behind him? Yes. Yes, I, I do. See, I don't. I don't. Yes, I do. I mean... He got, to the Montreal, he got relegated to a tag team that's, division, that's so yeah, so he, he has no he has no shot at getting the world title, so it doesn't matter. But when he comes out, do you feel like the fans are any less behind him? Yeah. I, like, I don't. Yeah, because no one cares about the tag team division in WWE, including WWE. I don't think that's a, that's it was an a answer fucking, to my question. It, it is. It's, it is the answer. That's why. If you would have kept him in the fucking world title picture, maybe, but that's not what Sami, Sami Zayn's and Cody's is not the same story, so it doesn't matter. You think fans have fallen off of Sami Zayn because he's a tag team champion now? Yeah. You think they're less invested in his story because he's a tag team champion now? Correct. The only way that they're going to get back into it is if I... Everybody's already pissed off about them fucking literally continuing the exact same story like nothing just happened at WrestleMania between him and fucking Jey Uso backstage. It's literally the exact same. It was a fucking copy pasta segment, him and Jey Uso backstage. Oh, there's still time. You can still change this. Motherfucker, you just took his titles away. You think he's going to listen to you? That's stupid. Well, that's kind of the story they were telling, right? Is that nah, Kevin, it is because Kevin Owens was telling him while they were backstage. He was like, look, I know that you think that you need to go do this, but you're not understanding that it, things are not how you think they are. He's going to fuck you up. He's going to fuck you over. And Sammy's like, you know what? You're right, but I'm going to go do it anyway. And then Kevin Owens literally sits there and he's like, did he just say I'm right? But then he says he's going to do it anyway. What a fucking idiot. So he goes and does it. Turns out Kevin is right. Like, this was Sammy's last attempt to extend some sort of olive branch or whatever the fuck. And now they're going to go from here. Like, it's not the same story. It's Sammy Zayn got to a point where he had to teach Jay whatever lesson about, you know, the fragility of the bloodline or whatever. Um, when they weren't champions and didn't have that same value to, to Reigns. Now Reigns is slowly turning on um, the Usos. And you kind of see that in the segments about you know, Jimmy has to go stay home or if if Jay doesn't handle it tonight, then you need to handle our problem with Heyman and Solo, all that shit. Um, so they are, it is a, it's not, just because it involves the same characters in the same conflict doesn't mean it's the same story. The story is still progressing. Yeah, I, I don't like it. Don't like the story. Okay. The story has gone to shit and as far as I'm concerned. I thought it was like our hottest fucking angle and now it's nothing. And now they're just trying to throw shit up on the screen. To try to make people think that they're still invested in it when they're really not anymore. The story's over, as far as that goes. Like we know, until until Jay starts making some significant steps into, hey, I'm going to oppose Roman, or Solo's going to oppose Roman, or whoever the fuck's going to oppose Roman. I don't really care. I'm not taking Cody seriously anymore. I'm not taking Sami Zayn seriously anymore. The only person I would take seriously at this point against Roman would be a Jay Uso because of the history that they have. But if Roman beats him again, then I don't take Jay Uso seriously anymore. Who's he's already beaten within his title reign as well. So then it's like, okay, now what the fuck are we waiting for? Are we waiting for the fucking rock still? Because that's fucking ridiculous if that's what we're doing. Well, no, then I think the story that you tell there is that it's Jay versus Roman. Solo comes out and tries to fuck with Jay. And then 
Sami Zayn is the one that comes out to stop Solo or beat up Solo and stop him from fucking over Jay. So that's how you complete that arc. But then what do you do with Jimmy? Do you just put Jimmy in a tag team with Solo if Jay becomes champ? Or do you just sure. say don't put the title on Jay? Not sure. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm, I'm more interested in seeing how they're going to fuck it up more than anything else because I believe Cody should have won at WrestleMania. <laughs> okay. And well, I'm not saying that because it was WrestleMania. I'm saying that's because that's where the match took place. I think that we've pretty exhaustively covered every possible viewpoint of that. So we can yeah, move on. So there you go. There's the WrestleMania Night 2 review. I gave it a C, and you said what again? Uh, a real, Oh, a real score? Um... Like a C minus. It wasn't aside from aside from the Gunther match um, and Reigns winning. The By the way, whole did, did we really need a up. fucking thirty-five minute match for Roman and Cody? We needed thirty-five minutes so that we could see Cody or Cody lose anyway. That was fucking stupid too. I didn't like that. There was way too much shit at the end. Um, was, I don't have a problem with the Attitude Era type shit, honestly, especially because that's how he's pretty much been winning anyway. But when you hit. The fucking two moves from Owens and Sami Zayn too, which was a cherry on top as far as your story goes. And then Cody fucking hits him with two crossroads. There's no fucking way that he should have came up, one, for a third one. And two, that he should have had him lose right there. That's fucking Super Cena bullshit right there for fucking Roman still winning. That's dumb. You gotta make Roman look strong. Dumb. No, you don't. How much stronger can he look? Holy shit. The only way he's gonna lose now is if fucking Brock gives him a two-piece like Braun Strowman. Like, what the fuck? Put his ass on his, put him on his ass for real. That's the only way you're gonna fucking beat him. <laughs> so dumb. All right, let's move on. Let's finally move on. Here we go. Next up, we got Sakura Genesis, which happened this morning. Um, and I don't mean right now. I mean earlier this morning. Morning. It's 11:33 here. 12 yeah. noon for you. 12:30 noon, right for you. So, uh, but this happened super early. I assume that you watched it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I watched it as well. Um, I actually fell asleep the first time and had to get back up and watch it because House of Torture put me to fucking sleep. Um, sorry, I, had like, I was like two matches in and I fell asleep and I woke back up and unfortunately restarted that match and watched it all. But anyway, uh, good show though, overall, besides that match. I didn't really like that match, but everything else was pretty good. Let's talk about Sakura Genesis. Now, there's a few things that we need to discuss on here because a lot of big things happened on here. Um, one... Zack Sabre Jr. retained his title, his uh, TV title against um, Shota Umino. Shooter. Uh, Aussie Open won the tag titles in a mm. really good fucking match and only made better by blood. Real blood. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> well, who's, who's that? Kyle Fletcher that got busted open? Fletcher got busted. Yeah, Fletcher yeah. fucking did a moonsault or some shit to the outside and hit his head on the fucking uh, guardrail, busted his whole fucking side of his face open. Another inch or two to the left, he probably would have had a fucking concussion. Mm. Um, let's talk about... Okay, so there's a... In the undercard part of it, we also had El Fantasma kicked out of the Bullet Club, essentially. Yeah. We don't know for sure, obviously. With everything that's been going on, I think this is the most confused I've ever been with what's going on with the Bullet Club. Uh, so you got... Jay White is in AEW now with Juice Robinson... And Juice is clearly part of the Bullet Club. Jay White helped him, even though Jay White looked like he got kicked out of the Bullet Club at Battle in the Valley by fucking David Finley. So now he's kind of still attached to him. You got Gato uh, back in David Finley. And then you've got David Finley and Kenta and uh, Ishimori fucking taking out 
ELP at Sakura Genesis after they won the match. They won the match, dude. ELP got the victory, and then Finley wasn't happy about it or some shit. And then, uh, or because uh, ELP was taking him off of him when he was trying to do a beatdown after the match. All right, so if you've been watching backstage promos and stuff with New Japan, this has been building up for a little bit, pretty much ever since Finley took out Jay White because that's what they said. That's not what they discussed or whatever. Mm-hmm. All right, so what do you think is actually going on here? Do you think ELP, ELP and um, Jay White are gone? Or do you think this is just a thing where David Finley thinks he's higher than he is and he's about to get humbled real quick and he's going to get kicked out of the fucking Bullet Club even though he just got in there? What do you think is going to happen here? It's it's weird to me that a lot of people aren't making this uh, connection with something that's happened previously, but I'll, I'll lay it out. So Jay White on Twitter and also LP on Twitter have both specifically mentioned black and gold, black and gold, black and gold. They're clearly referencing, you know, AEW's colors. Um, it seems to me like black and gold is going to be like Bullet Club Splinter Group, kind of like Wolfpack was back in the NWO. Um, and they'll have direct conflict with Bullet Club and then Bullet Club Black and Gold. Uh, it, it'll be just like NWO versus NWO Wolfpack. Like, it's it's a very similar thing where you have people in the main heel group who are kicking out people who are acting not necessarily face, but cooler <laughs> than the rest of the group. So they form their own cooler faction uh, that exists essentially as like a splinter group of the original group. Um and end up being more popular than the base group that they spawned from. So um, we think this will be Jay White, Juice Robinson, ELP, Ace Austin, ELP. Chris Bay. Yeah, probably them too, since he brought it. Since I think Jay was the one who brought in Chris Bay, right? He brought so, in both of them, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, basically. Um, and you know, it's it's the LP's always been pretty close with Jay White too. Um, which is why from the start with the Finley thing and Finley beating him up, he's always kind of been questioning, like, what the fuck are you doing, guy? Like, are you, you think you're the leader now? Like, what's going on? So, yes, it's, that seems to me like that's the story that they're telling. Um, and that it's, it's essentially a different faction, splinter group of the same this faction. It's kind of like the same thing the they did in Japan when it was the Bullet Club is fine storyline. Yeah, pretty much. It's the elite versus Bullet Club, yes. Or the Bullet Club, um... God damn! What was Tama calling them? Like the OG group? I forget. What the, he had some name for it. Anyway. Okay, so um, like, okay, I gotta ask you as the New Japan expert on the show: mm-hmm. Is House of Torture no longer affiliated with Bullet Club at all? House of Torture is still Bullet Club. Okay, so yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know if they were still Bullet Club or not. Yeah, House of Torture just—it's a—it's a faction within a faction. It's not a splinter group. So it's closer to the elite then. Yes. Okay, all right. So, and all right. So we're talent. gonna. We're, it's gonna be. It's so what we're talking here is House of Torture probably not get involved in this particular feud between Black and Gold and New Japan Bullet Club. This is more David Finley, Kenta Ishimori versus ELP's ELP Jay White and Juice Robinson type deal. Not even necessarily directly versus in the sense that I'm not sure how much crossover, how often they'll meet. Um, well, we got Forbidden Door 2 coming up. Yeah, but that's going to be once a year. Um, I'm just saying, for, for this specific purpose. I mean. And Jay White, as a condition of losing to Kingston, technically isn't allowed to wrestle in New Japan. So Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Forbidden Door 2, he can wrestle at Forbidden Door 2, though. That's not New Japan. That's yeah, AEW I New understand. Japan. I understand, but to tell the story, you would need more than one pay-per-view a year. 
So we'll see. And they may they may even do something where Tomatonga well, joins. Didn't he say he too, couldn't but... wrestle? Oh no, that was Jay White. He had to get Jay White's permission. It wasn't the other way around. Yeah, as far yeah yeah yeah. I don't, I don't think it was a permission thing on the uh, Kingston to Bayside. Okay, well, good insight there. So yeah, that'd be cool if it we go black and gold DC. That'd be cool. New shirts. Um, <laughs> so uh, what do you think of Aussie Open winning the tag titles? Is this their first reign as IWGP champs? As far as I know, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like the call out by Kevin Kelly to FTR too, by the way. So we're going to see that at Forbidden Door too, probably. Probably. They've already been talking about it on Twitter, so probably. Um, I don't know that it'll be like a winner-take-all situation, but I, I think they'll definitely have a match. Um, I I thought this was probably the right call. Bishamon was kind of... They weren't a, it's not like they were a bad tag team or anything, but it did it did start to feel like their run was getting a little bit stale. I don't think Yoshiashi... Yoshiashi right now is more over than he's ever been, but that's not saying a lot. Um, and then Goto, you know, Goto's always been kind of their... Uh, work rate guy is not really the right thing to say, but he's been, he's, been like a, he's been like a very solid top face that they can put in any match, and he can have a really good match at any time. He's like I a baby face it. Miz. We can trust uh, you with pretty much anything we give you, but you're not gonna be top of the card type deal. I mean, he's he's been top of the card before. Yeah, um, briefly. Yeah, but I guess in the same sense that the Miz was. I, I mean, they're so different. I don't know that I'll compare them, but like, I just mean where they're positioned out on the card, not and, like, anything else. I'm not talking them. about promo skills or fucking yeah. uh, skills in the ring or anything. I'm just talking about where they're placed at on the card type deal. Maybe I would. I mean, I would almost want to make the comparison more to like a. <sighs> like a Rollins, maybe. Like, they can fluctuate him between mid-card and upper-card and top-of-the-card, and he'll do fine in all of them. Um, and they can make him the top of the company at any point. They just historically haven't. Uh, or if they have, it hasn't been for very long. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's he's great. But I think uh, I think the Bishamon tag team thing had run its course. Aussie Open was getting a lot of support uh, internationally, not just in New Japan. So, yeah, I think that's the right call. It was a good match, too. Fans popped for their win, too, when they won. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about the three-way match between Mercedes, Monet. She defended her IWGP Women's Championship against uh, Azume and Azuki, if I'm saying that correctly. Hazuki? Hazuki, yeah, 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 that's how they say it. Okay, Hazuki and Azume. So... Mercedes won, and the match was really fucking good again. And I feel like we're we're seeing something that kind of people thought might have been happening, but weren't confident enough in saying because we didn't have anything to go off of uh, as far as evidence. Which is Mercedes Monet was a lot better wrestler than we thought because in WWE people couldn't keep up with her, so she had to slow her style down. And I think we're seeing that a lot now in Japan where she's fucking being able to keep up with these people, which a lot of people were like, for the people that don't really watch, or pay attention really to, I should say, because they watch the WWE women, but not really paying attention. So when we came on the show all the time, we would be like, oh man, Asuka and Io Shirai, they're running fucking circles around these fucking uh, WWE superstars when they're in these matches, and you can really tell the difference. Sasha Banks now, or Mercedes Monet rather, Mercedes Monet, seeing her fucking be able to keep up with them, and then seeing how slow her matches were in WWE, it's almost like, damn, there are really good, talented fucking wrestlers as far as the women go in WWE, 
but they're saddled with some other people that aren't either as confident as they should be, or two, they're being held back on purpose by uh, producers or upper management in general with lack of time and stuff, because I think this had the fourth most, um, or for the fourth highest time as far as match time on the card, if I remember correctly. Like 13 minutes and 53 seconds, which is like the fourth longest match on this card. Um, so what we were worried about as well, one of the things we were worried about when she went over there, especially after Wrestle Kingdom this year, was are they going to give them enough time on a New Japan show? And we omitted Battle in the Valley because that technically happened with New Japan Strong and it was an American pay-per-view, right? So it was like, let's see what they do when it's an actual show in Japan. Well, this was our first taste at it. First taste of it, rather, at the current Genesis. What do you think about all these different combinations of uh, things I've just said that I've alluded to? Like, what do you think about her performance so far in Japan? The time that they're given? Um, her... Her, and then also keep this in mind, with Kyrie, we were like, okay, yeah, that's cool, but you've worked with Kyrie before. This, she's never worked with these two. So what did you think of uh, the overall quality of this triple threat match? Um, I thought putting her in there with, especially someone like Azumi, really showed how I don't think of a nice way to say this because I know that people will take this the wrong way if I don't word it exactly right. Uh, she's not she's not on their level. A lot of her strikes were really ugly like completely whiffing and then they still had to sell for them because she wouldn't acknowledge the whiff and then try to do another strike to set up. There were just spots in the match where I was like she felt It, it was mostly the striking sequences to set up the next move where I felt like she wasn't either, she was either too scared to be as snug as they are or I don't, I don't know what it was, but there, there were multiple instances in that match where I was just like, fuck, like that looked really bad. And then they had to sell it um, because she would just, she would keep going through the sequence instead of redoing the, the hit. Um, but as, as far as comparison to you know, most of the women in WWE or anything like that. I mean, sure, it showcases that she's she's better than them, but that's not the bar that she has to live up to anymore. And there were definitely spots in this match where I was like, fuck, that was so sloppy compared to what the people she's working against are doing. Um, like I said, mostly the striking sequences, like the kicking stuff, um, the reversal out of the gory special looked really ugly because she did too long of a Pause. Like it was just it was it was spots where it was like she was taking like a second and a half, two seconds to think after something happened, and it just looked really stop, start, stop, start, kind of jerky. Um, that could be a language thing. It could be a uh, just having not really worked them before thing. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about because I'm taking that in consideration big time. So it's two people that. Uh, speak a different language than you, and even if you rehearsed it before a million times, mm. you have still have no idea when they go full speed, right? So it's a timing thing, it's a language yeah. thing, it's uh, all this shit going into it. Um, so I take those things into consideration as well. So I actually like really enjoyed the match overall. I didn't think it was bad, um, but I, uh, your question is essentially like, 
is she showing that she belongs there? Is she like saying? Is she showing? Is she proving that she was always better than, you know, what WWE was giving her? Is essentially what you're asking. And I. Let's put it this way. Ever... Let's put it this way. If if I if I take Becky Lynch and take her out of WWE and put her in that same scenario, you think she's going to do just as good as Sasha? Because I don't. Yes, actually, I do. I don't. I don't. I, I think, think Becky is overrated. I think a lot of Japanese women's wrestling is very uh, heavy on strikes and making the strikes look good. And I don't think Sasha d or Mercedes does that very well. And I think Becky does it better than her. I don't, Rhea does I don't it really agree. good, too. Who? So, Rhea. Ripley. Oh, no. I, I, I was about to say, there's only a few. There's only like three. There's only like three women in WWE right now that I would put over there that I'd be able to lift up out of there, put in that same situation, and be just as good as Sasha or better. And it would be Rhea, Asuka, and Io. And two of those have what in common? They were already over there. So I don't think Becky would do as good. I don't think Bailey would do as good. And I love Bailey. I don't think Charlotte would do as good. So I think she's actually proving the doubters uh, wrong in this, in this case, as far as how she's been able to hold up over there. I mean, I don't think she's bad. I'm not saying she's bad, um, but yeah, I mean, I find it's, it fascinating that you think Becky is, is, is that good. Um, yeah, I think Becky strikes are a lot tighter than Sasha's. I think they always have been. I think that she works better with a wider variety of people. I'm not saying Sasha Banks can't go in and have a great match with someone. I'm not even saying that this wasn't a great match, but I think there were a lot of holes in this match that became pretty obvious. Also, you, you have to remember too, Becky's whole wrestling experience isn't fucking WWE. Whereas, aside from, I think, like, one year, maybe two years of some smaller indie stuff, um, like in the in the New England area, I don't think Sasha, or Mercedes, Sasha at the time, obviously, ever really did anything else. But in her early wrestling career, um, Lynch no, actually did I'm pretty sure she was in a... Shimmer or Shine at some point. Who? Mercedes. I don't think so. Now, it's funny you mentioned that, though, because Becky was. Becky did have a, a brief period where she was in Shimmer. Um, she was doing a lot of uh, the more of the Canadian women's wrestling stuff. Um, yeah, so I, it's just it's coming from different places. Uh, I think Becky had fucking some crazy amount of time on the indies before she was ever in NXT. It was, it was almost like 10 years. It's just different. I think that's why they maybe that's why I see them differently when I see them do stuff. I was thinking NWA just, apparently. My okay. Bad. But yeah, no, Becky, Becky actually has done Shimmer stuff before. It wasn't for very long, but she did. But she's she was on the Indies for like at least ten years doing other stuff. Um so yeah, I think she would go over there and do fine. Like her her strikes have always looked better than than Mercedes. I don't think had. so. I think she's overrated. Okay. I think she's overrated. I think people put her on this pedestal that she definitely does not deserve to be on. Well, I only say that because that's the person you asked about. Um, no, no, I, think I agree. You... I mean, I understand that, but I'm, what I'm saying is, I wouldn't. If I put Becky over there in that match that just happened at Sakura Genesis, I don't think it would have been as good. I think if you put Charlotte over there in that match, it wouldn't have been as good. I agree with that too. But I think Becky would would have probably done better. 
Yeah, we're going to disagree on that one for sure. Okay, so let's get to the main event, which we're also going to disagree on, I'm sure, because there's no fucking way that Sonata should have won this match. Oh, I don't like Sonata. It's no know, secret on the show. I'm that. not a fan of his. I don't think he should have beat fucking Okada, of all people. I do not like this outcome. I was not happy that I stayed up and Hater. watched this. Hater. Yeah, I sure Just the fuck am. I am glad that Master Wado lost, though. That was awesome. Uh, he didn't lose. He allowed his opponents uh -huh. uh, okay. to taste victory at a smaller show yeah, okay. to save his energy for Wrestle Kingdom. I was so um, happy he lost. He didn't lose. He his definitely lost. lost. It was great. Um, his, his team lost. Okay, so I'm always I've always been an evil guy over Sonata. So I really don't want anything good to happen for Sonata as far as wrestling goes. Um, wow. Yeah, I just. I'm not a fan. He's boring as fuck to me. So boring. You're not, you don't like the Just Five Guys thing? You don't like the Just the Five Guys and... is hilarious as far as the overall group. Sonata yeah. is a fucking charisma vacuum. Terrible. Oh, come on. Come on. Terrible. Come on. He is not interesting at all. That match wasn't even interesting at all. Sonata had to finish the story. Oh, yeah? They, Did he? They've been... They've been They've been building this up for a very long time. As he's lost to Akata in title matches, how many fucking times now? Should have like, been one more. No, it was time. It's not his time, dude. Sorry. It was time. It's it was not time. time. You it's build him up. You let him win the, the, the cup, and then you let him win the belt. It's his time. This is his. I'm finally on this level arc. The same one that Cody needs to go through. Maybe not to the same length or extent, but yes, this was the right time to have Sonata win. If that was the case, if it was the same thing as Cody, then Damian Sandow would be the fucking world champion before him, just like Evil was the champion before Sonata was. Cody was not saddled in a fucking tag team forever, and then fucking broke out and then didn't do shit with uh, you say, L.I.J. You say saddled, but that tag team was actually really fucking dominant for a very long time. You're talking about Evil and Sonata, you mean? Yes. No, I agree with that part of it. But I'm saying, if so you're going to compare it to Cody's story, who hasn't gone through quote-unquote adversity... Which is asinine to me. But Sonata's been a single pretty much since the evil split. So what do you mean? Do what? Sonata's been wrestling as a single pretty much since the evil split. Yeah, so? So why are you bringing up shit from like four years ago? Who cares? Evil's better. Everything is evil. You think evil is a better wrestler than Sonata? Evil's better at everything than Sonata. Sonata are, is boring you are just as a, shit. You are a fucking boring. hater. Boring. To a degree unheard of boring. in hater culture. Okay? Boring as that fuck. Is, Sonata is, is boring. Sonata is the Japanese Dean Malenko. Boring. <laughs> boring. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> Not sorry. Boring. Okay. I hope he yep. loses it to Naito. Is that what you think they're building this up to? Naito possibly winning G1 and then, then taking the title off of him at Wrestle Kingdom? I think it's time for another thousand day reign, um, and I think it's time for Sonata. yeah, not enough of those going on for you. It's time for Sonata to be the guy. Mm -hmm. You like okay, so MJF, Roman, and Sonata all gonna have a bet to see who can have the title the longest. Yeah, and then at Forbidden Door, they're gonna do a three way match. Um, I don't know what your I don't know what your fucking hate of Sonata is about. I don't like him. He's boring. What do you not understand? I can't make it any more simple than that. He's boring. That's boring why I don't at, like him. Boring at what? At wrestling? At his character, which is 
not even his fucking character anymore. His new character is worse than his fucking old one. He's a guy. Yeah, he sure is. He one sure of is. Just that five came guys. Out. That 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 uh, Ric Flair robe was, or Rick Rude robe, or whatever the fuck he was wearing, that was supposed to make me interested in him. Hey, that robe was cool as fuck. The blue one. Yeah, the only one he's worn. Yeah. Yeah, I'm making sure we're talking about the same one. Come on. That man. thing is cool as fuck. That don't make me interested in him. Okay. Boring. As soon as he takes the robe off, guess what? Boring Sonata. Because you shaved and dyed your hair back to its regular color, I'm supposed to fucking find you interesting? No. It's a, it's growth. What do you okay. think they do with Sonata, for real? You wanted, a, you wanted Asuka to win because she got some new fucking face paint. I got. I, I wanted Asuka to win because Asuka's fucking amazing. So Asuka Sonata. should never been losing in the first place to even have to go to an old fucking uh, character. Listen. Sonata's good. You're a fucking hater. You would understand this. I I watched enough Sonata matches to know that he's boring. Okay. In fact, I'd have him drop the title to Taka Michinoku next show. But keep it within the five guys so we can still have it in the in the group, but have him drop it to Taka. Okay. There's a reason why there's a reason why like everybody else had the fucking mic Listen, longer than I, he did you, when he won. You can't you can't make a case to a fucking hater, right? Like what what am I supposed to say? It's just you you think he's boring. I just okay, want to know fine. what you I think just... they should do with him going forward in a serious light cuz he's not going to have it for a thousand days. So, do you think they give it back to Okada? Do you think they go the Naito route or do you think they go something outside of that like him versus evil or something? Not just the, not to drop it to evil, but just in the meantime like because obviously he has to have a feud or two before we get to Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, they're already hinting at Hiromu being next. Yeah, so, I, know, I know. I saw Hiromu come out and challenge him, but he has to beat uh, Yoshinobu. Yeah, Kanemaru. first. Yeah, in a, for the light heavyweight title or whatever, junior heavyweight title. Junior heavyweight. So, yeah. so once he does that, then we'll fight him. But, but then like, you know, we already know Sonata's going to be in the G1. Obviously, they could run back the. So he beat. Um... He did beat Finley in the final for the New Japan Cup. They could run that for a little bit. The G1, they announced the G1 dates and shit during this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same same time of year it always is. Um, but he doesn't necessarily still need to be champion at the G1. They have shows before then. It'd be um, interesting to see who's in the G1 this year, too, because I don't think Osprey's going to be in it because he's still hurt, and I don't think they're going to want to jeopardize anybody missing Forbidden Door. I know Danielson really wants to do it, but I don't know if they would let him. That's so much. He's in the middle so of a huge feud right now, too, though. Yeah. I also don't know if they would let him just because it's it's so much wrestling, so back-to-back and so stiff, and you know he would put the pressure on himself to be having the best fucking match every night he goes out for whatever block, so... Hey, 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 you can continue the story by putting him in... putting him and Omega in it. Mm. That actually be good, but then it kind of overshadows the entire point of the G1. Which is usually... No, no, I don't, I don't mean... You can put them in the same group, though. You don't have to put them in separate groups and then be like, oh, that's the final or whatever. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, okay. Uh... I don't know. Like, I don't have a problem with Sonata Rain. I think there's there's a lot of stuff you can do out of it. Finley makes the most sense, given that he beat Finley for the New Japan Cup. You're going to have the Hiromu thing at some point after that. Then probably one or two people will beat him in the G1, and he'll have to, to go against them, because obviously every time they do that, somebody gets a claim to the belt. 
or to a title match um, at some point before Wrestle Kingdom. He could lose it between now and Wrestle Kingdom. I could, I could see them doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't... Yeah, just because someone wins at Genesis or whatever doesn't mean they automatically get it at Wrestle Kingdom or, or will have yeah. it at Wrestle Kingdom, I should say. Yeah. Um, so I agree with that, but I just feel like the natural progression is Naito versus him for the title because that's the group that he left. That he left, yeah. Um, I mean, and he also left right after beating Naito in the tournament. And uh, you got and the and I think the Takahashi challenge afterwards helps with that story with Naito as well because you're literally going to go and fight potentially an Lij guy out the gate, and it's yeah. the same kind of thing that they did with Evil when Evil left. But they're doing so. If you noticed with Hiromu's challenge, it wasn't like there was bad blood between them. It was like a hey buddy, hey friend. Guess what? <laughs> um, so it wasn't it wasn't exactly like the well, evil and I could say the same thing about Evil. Takahashi didn't hate Evil either, because Evil was the one that was always carrying around his jacket and shit when he got hurt. He did no, he was not. He he, he was not still good with Evil after that because of the way that Evil turned, like it hurt his feelings. Um, whereas this one's more like, okay, I, you know, you left. We're so cool. Um, that's how it reads to me anyway. I don't speak Japanese, but um, yeah. I I think they could do the Finley thing. I think they do the Hiromu thing. I think Naito is the logical storyline like choice. I think you have story, Naito yeah. beat him in the G1 and then that gave him a claim to a match and then maybe have Naito win because then whatever the Wrestle Kingdom match is becomes bigger by it being Naito headlining instead of Sonata. Which, you know, for for whatever I might say about Sonata, maybe uh, it finally being his time to be at the top of the card, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's his time to be top of Wrestle Kingdom. Question. Because there's one thing that we haven't mentioned in all this. Okada. What do we do with Okada? Yeah. Um, Okada is one of those people and always has been. Like, this is actually his shortest reign, I think. It, it was, I think it was his shortest world title reign that he's ever had. Um, there's a lot you can do with him. Obviously, they probably want to set him up for something at Forbidden Door. So, um, I'm not sure. Maybe him and Tanahashi get together, do something. Uh, who knows? There's there's a lot. Because, you know, Tanahashi was talking about uh, reforming their team or whatever at some point earlier in the year. So, uh, who knows, man? There's Okada can do everything and he'll always be fine. Okada mentioned something about it at Battle in the Valley as well about reforming the team. So, yeah. Yeah, they reformed the team and they had the dream tag team match at Forbidden Door. I think that would be cool. Maybe the Bucks versus Okada and off. Tanahashi. Take him off all the open. Like, there's a lot of good, or, or against uh, fucking Claudio and Mox since uh, last Forbidden Door was Tanahashi versus Mox. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. I could see that happening too. That'd be sweet. Because, because I don't all think... signs are pointing towards Omega versus Osprey too. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, you also have um, the fact that it could happen before that as well. I think Omega Osprey 2 will probably be for the USIWGP title, <clears throat> assuming Osprey's cleared. Kenny wins again. And then that sets up their third match at Wrestle Kingdom where Osprey finally gets the win and it's like, okay, I've I've climbed that mountain finally and I took the belt back from him at the biggest show that we have for the company that I am being the flag bearer for. So as far as I think Forbidden anyway. Tour I think Forbidden Tour two is gonna be fucking insane if nobody gets hurt. Because you gotta remember, Forbidden Door one won the show of the year, pay per view of the year, and had a shit ton of injuries where we had to change a ton of matches before it all was said and done, right? So you didn't have Danielson there anymore. You didn't have 
um, Omega there anymore. You didn't have, um, oh my god, there was somebody else too. Somebody else big. Oh, Punk. Punk was not there. He was supposed to fight Tanahashi. So, you had all these injuries attached to that show, and everybody's like, damn, man. That's, that kind of sucks. And then the show went out, and this still was the best show of the year. So, like, if we can avoid those injuries this time around, holy shit. With all the stuff that they've been building up on the outside in the two promotions, this could even be bigger. This could be one of those few instances where the sequel is better than the original. That's going to be fucking nuts. I'm very hyped for you. I already got my tickets, baby. What grade, uh, um, what grade did we give Sakura Genesis overall, though? I mean, every match on it was fairly good, except for the... Um... House of Torture match was terrible. Yeah, that one wasn't great. I didn't watch the um I didn't watch all the I didn't watch all the undercard. Um so I, I can't speak to that. But as far as the main card, I thought it was all good. I I mean it was probably like a B plus. I was gonna say B plus too. That's exactly job. what I was about to say. B plus for Sakura Genesis twenty twenty three. I, I wasn't crazy about the the uh Takashi Robbie Eagles match. That went, a, was, that went a long time, too. That went, a, like, 20 minutes or something. That was nuts. I f- yeah, I felt like it was just... It was it was a good match. It was a little long. I felt like the ending kind of came out of nowhere when it did come. It was um, one of those matches kind of like... Uh, what was the match that I mentioned? Oh, the Sami Zayn-Owens versus the Usos, where I would give them the 4.75 instead of the 5, like I gave Rhea and Charlotte, because I didn't know who was going to win between Rhea and Charlotte. I knew who was going to win before between the Usos and... Owens and Sami Zayn. I knew Takahashi wasn't losing that fucking match. So well, I think also... that was... And then you go out there and fucking wrestle for 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, this is kind of dragging on, honestly. I mean, like you, I, also... like you said, it was a good match or whatever, but I never at, at any point in the match thought Robbie Eagles was about to come out of here with this fucking title. You also thought Cody was going to win. Cody should have won. All right. Move on to... Oh, some big news coming out of AEW. Let's get to it. All Elite Wrestling is going to London, and not only are they going to London, but they announced All In 2, which is technically their first All In, and it'll be held at fucking Wembley Stadium. Now, of course, you have a shit ton of people that all have their own opinions on this, and most of them are wrong. So I want to get your opinion on, one, them bringing back All In, and two, them going to be in London, and three... Running fucking Wembley Stadium, out of all the th- all the all the venues over there, how big is this potentially going to be for AEW going forward overseas? Um, it's an ambitious move. Uh, I don't really give a shit about the all-in thing. I don't care what they call a pay-per-view. It's a pay-per-view, um, or an event. I don't even know if this one actually is going to be pay-per-view. They've well, don't said you think that that's cool? Be- that I mean, I think I like the fact that they're calling it all in because the first time they took a chance, right? They're taking another chance here with how big this fucking stadium is. I think I that's know, why they attached the all-in name to it. You know, AEW's uh, TV numbers in the UK are bigger than WWE's TV numbers. Did you know that? I do know that, but I think that has something to do with the, the stations. The that channels, well. yes, yeah. that's, that's part of it. Um, but. As far as like local wrestling over there, a lot of what they get is pretty much just indie shit. And then they do have better television ratings than WWE over there does over there. And you see how WWE does when they go over there. Um, do I, I don't know what configuration they're using or how many seats are going to be there by the time they finish doing whatever configuration they do, because obviously they're going to need the, the walkout ramp and then the, um, the ring area and all that shit. And then I, I, I don't think know. Be, I, know I think it's... it'll be based off of like how many tickets are sold in the pre-sale and all that type of shit. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like they'll have the set number for that. 
if they run out of that, then they'll open up seats as they become available or, or as they think they're needed as far as supply and demand type deal. And then they can just figure out the arrangement around that. If that makes Maybe, sense. but it's pretty... You want a little bit longer to figure out how you're going to do your stage and shit if you're going to have... Because obviously it's going to be like a custom thing. And then they've got to worry about the logistics of actually getting it there if they're having any of it like set up. So basically whatever vendors you're going to use or whatever contractors you're going to use to set this thing up should already be aware of what the design is going to be like within the next month because you're or within you know the next few weeks really because the amount of time that you have to to settle this up is pretty short um do i think they'll fill do i do i think they'll sell it out if it's a ninety thousand seat configuration depends on the price yeah. of the tickets i yell that, that the top price of the ticket is gonna be a big deal obviously but no i, I think if think you do the whole upper bowl at like 10 bucks a piece dude i think they could yeah, it'll be it'll be kind of like a WrestleMania thing where you just want to say that you were there type deal. If at at that point, yeah. What I what I do know for a fact is it apparently costs four hundred thousand dollars. Correct to rent it. To rent it. Correct. Now I got numbers here actually, so it's according to Meltzer, four hundred k just to rent it. So that's not flying everybody over on the on the plane tickets and all that stuff and the hotel rooms and all that. But we're talking about just it's as far as just the show itself. Okay. So 400k to rent the building, all right. Now, in comparison, I will say this: the their biggest show to date is Arthur Ashe Stadium, as far as number of people in attendance, which was 20,144 people. Okay, that's why, like I did on social media on Twitter poll, I threw out 25k over or under because even at 25k, it's their biggest show as far as attendance figures go, right? There was like 13 votes on it. 11 people said over, okay? Now, you also got to keep in mind that at the Arthur Ashe Stadium, for the 20,144 in attendance, it was 960,000 in ticket sales for those 20,000 people, okay? There's like 19,000 paid or something like that. Just over an additional 200K in merch sales, which you also have to take in consideration because they're going to be selling merch there, obviously, as well. So, what would you, Ryan, consider a successful show? Would it be 25k and over? Would it be 30k and over? Would it be 40k and over? As far as number of people at Wembley Stadium to watch all into. So, with the $400,000 rental price for the building, um, like, even if they were to say uh, our goal is to fill, like, 70000 you could do if if every ticket was five dollars and seventy some five dollars and seventy two cents ish. You could do that many. Obviously, they're gonna have to charge more, but you don't have to charge. The point is that you don't have to charge that much per ticket to make back the rental cost of that stadium uh, after a certain amount. Um, even at even at uh, like if you were to say, let's use your number of twenty five thousand. That's still only like sixteen bucks a ticket. So they don't have to make crazy ticket prices to make this money back at all. The other thing is too. Obviously, it's not taking into cost uh, into account the cost of travel and setup and stage and all that bullshit. Let's say that it's like a million dollars total um, to do that. Like, if you want to use really flat numbers for this, you say the total cost of everything to run it, get people there, get all the fabrication for the setup, production, whatever. Um, 
at a million dollars at your $25,000 number, that's still only 40 bucks a ticket. And the thing about Wembley, as far as and I don't understand don't forget my it, 20 or 200,000 merch thing for Arthur Ashe. They'll probably yeah. make more than 200K in merch sales here. Right. And that's just breaking even on like a 1 point or 2.5, whatever the fuck it ended up being, 2.25, of what I assume it might cost after everything. Not, I mean, the rental itself is like nothing. It's so easy to make back with $5 per ticket. So the thing that I understand about Wembley Stadium, and again, I'm not British, so this is just something that I've, I've read and heard and whatever, is that a lot of people, if there, if there is a big event going on at Wembley, people will go just because it's Wembley Stadium. Like, it's one of those, it's like yeah, it's the Madison Square thing, Garden yes. yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, they'll literally go just because it's a big arena and something to go do in the it's big arena. It's kind of like, if, for on a smaller scale, and I agree with you because I've heard the same thing. On a smaller scale, it's kind of like that old couple that just go and watch a movie every fucking weekend just because there's a movie, they know there's a new movie out, just so they can consume as many movies as possible. They just go just to go. They don't They don't even know what the fuck is in the theater. They just go to the matinee or whatever so they can go watch a fucking movie because that's just what they do together. I've seen that. I've seen plenty of old couples do that. So you go to the matinee and then you get the senior discount price. You're pre pretty much paying almost nothing to go watch a movie every week. And that's your uh, daily or weekly uh, time to get the fuck out and go do something. And that's pretty much how they view this historical landmark as Wembley Stadium. Anything that goes on, it could be a it could be a Wembley fucking flea market, and people are just gonna fucking go just because it's taking place at Wembley Stadium. Yeah, um, and obviously there's not any historical reference for how well wrestling does at Wembley State or at Wembley um, at Wembley Stadium because the WWE SummerSlam that ran at Wembley Stadium. Yeah, in 1992, was, for anybody that doesn't know, 1992 they ran Wembley Stadium. It was Bret Hart and British Bulldog in the main event for the IC title, where British Bulldog won. Right, but there's a there is an important difference. Um, so the the Wembley Stadium, um, that was an old version of that venue. So back in 1992, it was different. Um, so it's not really a one-to-one -one comparison. So we don't really know in the current stadium, the current Wembley Stadium, how well a wrestling show would do because there hasn't been one there ever. Um, we do have comparisons from boxing and stuff, and boxing was able to get like 80,000. Uh, I think they sold out for the Fury... I, I think I remember reading that they sold out for the Fury fight. Um, so there is stuff that like, just because it's at Wembley, like, you've got a better chance of selling out on location alone. It doesn't even have to be like something that people are super, you know, crazy about or anything. They, they have, um... Like music stuff there all the time that I don't think people really care that much about or can't imagine them caring that much about. Like fucking, you know, Muse, I think, has played there at one point and sold out. Like, it, you know, it's whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it might sell out just because it's at Wembley Stadium. And I think that might be what Tony Khan is banking on. It's like people in that area, they're starved for good wrestling. They have the Brit rest scene, obviously, but like with all the issues that they've had lately and some of the big names over there kind of getting ousted for their own various behaviors. Um, it's kind of taken a hit. The indie scene's kind of taken a hit. NXT UK folding has kind of taken a hit. Um, made that scene take a hit rather. So, you know, it could be a, it, I think it might be a, an, a demographic that's pretty starved for good wrestling. And I think that where it is and what it is 
depending on how expensive they make the tickets, I, they could have a pretty big fucking crowd there. Yeah, so, I mean, if you had to guess, do you think this is going to be their biggest gate ever? Oh, 100%. Okay, so here's the only thing I have. The hold, only on, downside. hold on, hold on, hold on. When you say yeah, biggest gate, do you mean in amount of money or in amount of people? No, I already know it's going to be the biggest attendance rating. Yeah, it'll, it'll be the biggest attendance, 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100% it'll be bigger attendance. Because, like I said, their biggest attendance so far is 21K. So, yeah. 22K, gate, they beat it. Biggest gate would depend on what they start pricing the upper bowl tickets at. But... It's, it's if hard the number to is significantly higher than 22k, like if you're saying like if it's 60k, they're gonna beat it regardless of how much those tickets are. That's right. a lot of That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're, it's just such a, a higher number that you're multiplying by that at a certain point it doesn't really matter if they price the tickets super cheap, because there's just so many fucking tickets. The um, only thing I can see going, like this being a bad thing going forward is okay if you're running Wembley Stadium this time, and there's a lot of people that go because of what you said is just a thing to do because it's happening at Wembley Stadium. You can't then in turn turn that into a yearly thing like you do with everything else if you're AEW because then people are going to be less inclined to go. So right. if Unless this is it's like, a really good show. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, but the chances of you getting the that older crowd that's just going just to go being invested into wrestling just because they don't want, they won't even know if it's a really good show or not, really. You get what I'm saying? I don't think there's going to be that many people that go that are like, I don't know what wrestling is. That's a lot of people, dude. 60 to 80k is a lot of people. Going um, just because it's being held at Wembley Stadium doesn't mean they're necessarily going to come back the next year. Sure. I just don't think it's a. I don't. I just don't think it's a thing that you need to do yearly if it does really well. You can go back there and have all in three, all in four, wherever. Just don't do it at Wembley. Is what I'm saying. Right, I don't think you'll be able to sell that out every fucking year. Here's the thing too, and I, I'm not sure how much people know about this area in general, but Wembley is a suburb of London. And London's population is like 8.8 .8 million. So you're talking about 90,000 of, even if they were just coming from London, out of 8.8 .8 million. And you yeah. know they're and not going to be just coming from London. You know everybody's going to be flying there. There's going to be people right. from here flying there. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So I, I think this, I think it, I'd be almost surprised if it wasn't like more than 50. I think it's going to be a huge fucking show. Yeah. Because they've already done 25,000 just in pre-sales. Yeah. Which is already which is already their new attendance record. Right. If everybody gets in there and buys the fucking ticket, that's more than the 21K already at fucking Arthur Ashe Stadium. It's 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 going to be a crazy show. It's going to come no, up I mean, it's got, really it's got, good on and TV. They have, and what's the, what's the one common denominator with these big AEW shows? They haven't even announced a fucking match yet. Yeah. I think and a lot of people 25 are expecting 25k signed up for pre-sale tickets. I think a lot of people are expecting Osprey. I think a lot of people are. are yeah, see, this expecting... is the show I was talking about before. I think this might be a Osprey versus Omega Two, and then Forbidden Door might be something else. If it's not going to be three, or this is two, and then that's three because that'll be in Canada where Kenny's from, and then the final fourth match will be in. I think. I think. Like, let's say Osprey wins here. Gets the title. Omega gets the title back at Forbidden Door 2, and then Osprey wins at Wrestle Kingdom, and they both have it twice against each other, 2, two and two. 2. Yeah. Maybe. That makes sense. We'll see. Uh, I think either way, whatever card he puts together, uh, Tony's really good about building cards to match the occasion. So, like, when he knows it's something huge, he's, he's going to build something huge. So, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited All for right. it. Yeah. I'm not going. 
but yeah, I, I'm hyped for it though. But I agree with you. I don't know if it's going to be a pay per view either because they said that Anthony Bowens had came out and said that All the next week, next week is literally the yeah. next week. So I don't know how they're going to do this. I don't know if this is going to be a dynamite show, a Sunday night special show that we're supposed to go see or something because it's it's on a Sunday. You know, it'd be crazy if they fucking stream it on YouTube. <laughs> fucking nuts. I hope they don't announce that though. Even if they if they plan on doing that, don't even announce it because then I don't want I don't want people to be like, oh no, I'm not going to go because uh, I can just I'll watch, just it, on watch it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll so see. I don't know how the fuck they're going to do it, but they might set it up as like a special show through Bleacher Report and do it for like twenty bucks or something. Like yeah, not, it'll a, be not a pay per view, pay per view. But like I think a that's a lot event. of I think that's something else that people have to take in consideration too. Yeah, all those all those um, the the gate sales are going to be higher. Yes, the attendance figure is going to be higher. Yes. But think about how much extra money you're going to get from if you were selling it to us in a pay-per-view, even if it was at a discounted rate, because you know that you're going to have the $50 one literally the next week. Mm. So it's going to be nuts. And then the other thing that you have to contend with if you're Tony Khan, before we move on to the next topic, is the fact that if this is literally a week apart, like, like it's being advertised as, is anything of significance going to happen on the show when you have a pay-per-view Less than a week after, or a week after. Well, he's got enough talent to where I think he could build the card where there's not too much overlap, but still. There's gonna be a lot of people that's high up on that card that's gonna be at all out that want to be a part of this too, though. Uh, maybe. I mean, I figured maybe some six-man tags or something like that. Pack probably isn't gonna be at all out, but I could see them putting him at all in, uh, all in easily. Like Osprey, obviously, if he wrestles, this is not probably gonna be at all out. Like, there's there's cards you can build where you're not really fucking with your. storylines for the next week so we'll see but i am hyped for it as well to see where see where they go with this um yeah as a person that's not really hyped about attendance figures and stuff i am actually genuinely interested in how this is going to go i yeah i don't when when he announced like oh we're doing our first canadian show or whatever like, okay cool like you're going to an international market that's cool whatever i don't really give a fuck but this is a big deal just because of the size of the venue so all right Speaking of, well, let's go to let's go to from the UK or to well to London to Scotland, baby. Drew McIntyre is in the news, and Ryan actually messaged me this. Um, I think I had seen like a an, not the article but the headline, and then I clicked mm-hmm. on the thing that you sent me. Uh, but Drew McIntyre and WWE are apparently not even close on new negotiations. Uh, you got. It's, got, it's being reported that Drew is not happy with creative and money. So it's not one or the other. It's both. So that's not good. He was pulled from SmackDown and live events, but no one knows if it's from the 39 matched for uh, the triple threat to help him recover a little bit, or if it's because they're scared that he's just going to let his contract run out and they want to get a new deal done. With the Wembley Stadium show coming up. Do you think it's at all possible that Drew McIntyre just says, fuck it, lets his contract run out and shows up at Wembley Stadium? For all so, in two. So there is, um, something came out pretty much right before we started the show. Okay, um, hit me with it. So he's apparently dealing with a uh, health issue or injury um, that started before the Gunther match, but he worked through the Gunther match because it was already so heavily advertised or whatever. So whatever it is, um, that's part of why he was pulled from the uh i think like a meet and greet and then one show or, or whatever it was some event he got pulled from but um yeah By the way, working through thing. injury is nothing new for drew mcintyre which is why he feels that he's being shafted on the money part of this right deal. so the the conversation was essentially that 
he is having contract talks that they're not close on money with. Um, so they're apparently not even close on, on what the final figure he wants for his contract is. But the reason for his absence from the show and the meet and greet or whatever was not related to the contract talks. It was based on um, whatever this health issue, injury, whatever it is, is. So they're not, that is still a, still a thing. His contract is still coming up, um, I think late this year. So still a ways off. Um, and they're not close on, on the amount that he wants and his place on the card. And he's not really happy with some stuff obviously, but there's time to, to reconcile that. And the absences from the events were not related to the contract stuff. Got you. Okay, so if you are Drew McIntyre, mm -hmm. do you like what if they like? Do you just leave? You just bounce? I mean, I think obviously AEW would pick him up easy. He could. It's not the same as leaving to go to fucking Impact at this point. So he's clearly comfortable leaving, building up his his brand and status with another company. I think he. Uh, I think he'd actually do pretty well. In what AEW, the reports, honestly. you know, he would do great in AEW. But what the reports of um, the three people that said that they would consider leaving or asking for their release if it comes out that Vince is back in charge of creative, mm. one of them then said that he would let he just let his contract run out. Could this possibly be that one person? One of them. It, it was noted in that report that one of them was somebody fairly close to the top of the card. And Drew McIntyre fits that description. I don't think it would be Rollins because Rollins has never really seemed to have an issue with Vince. But I think I think because he's that he fits the bill as far as top of the card. His contract is coming up. He's having negotiation issues, and the fact that if if it has something to do with money and creative, which is the key word here, yeah, then why wouldn't he be the person that they were talking about? I feel like he. That's the person that possibly said that, hey, I'll just let my fucking contract run out unless they give me what the fuck I want type deal. Yeah, probably. Could have been. That's uh, pretty speculative. He's got yeah, his world no title already no in WWE, you know what I'm saying? Could be. I mean, he's got his WWE title run already, even though it was through the pandemic or whatever. But he got his, he got what he wanted with AEW existing now. Like you said, he doesn't have to go to Impact and make pennies on the dollar. He can go to fucking AEW, make comparable money and fucking be pushed just like probably better than what he's currently been given or with what he thinks schedule. what they're going to do with him going forward if he's on a new contract. And a lighter schedule. Yeah. Um, that's that's interesting. I don't know that he'll do that, but I do... This is one of the nice things about AEW existing at all is that, you know, people have a lot more leverage now if they are legitimately good over talents. Um... You can say, like, look, like I don't have to be here. I've already had my WWE title run. I've already won the Royal Rumble. You're not using me the way that I feel like I could be being used, or you're not paying me what I feel like I should be being paid. Fuck it. I'll, if, I'm, if you're only going to pay me that much anyway, I'll, I'll lop off another 200K and go work for fucking AEW with a lighter schedule. So, Not only that, we don't know how much longer he wants to work anyway. Right. He is, He's yeah. in his 40s, I believe. Yeah, I think so. So that could be that could play a part into it too because like hey man oh no I, he's, he's thirty seven I just looked thirty seven okay close he's reaching there so he would be in his forties yeah. by the time this contract ran out though does yeah. he really still want to be doing that fucking heavy schedule you got to mm. you got you watch a Drew McIntyre match you can tell that motherfucker he's not phoning anything in 
yeah. in his matches. So, like, that's going to take wear and tear off your body, too. So do you really want to be doing that in three years and doing it five nights a week? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a, yeah. that's a big concern for a lot of these people. I, <clears throat> If I'm somebody in McIntyre's position, and I know that I'm as good or better a wrestler than Roman Reigns, and I know what kind of money Roman Reigns is making, I see what kind of position he is on the card. I know he's not working house shows. I know he's not wrestling on TV. And he wrestles not even every pay-per-view. And I see him making fucking a million dollars more than me a year or whatever. I'm having this conversation too. So, it makes yeah. sense. And then, and I don't know if you would agree with me or not, but I feel like McIntyre has more leverage in this situation than WWE because of AEW's existence. Yeah, for sure. Right, they can we'll either see. they can either give him what he wants or he can leave, but he's not in a position where he has to deal with their shit. Nobody is anymore. That's the nice thing. Well, well, except for Hit Row, but like I was about to say, no, like the top talents. Yeah, like you said, like the Drews and stuff. Like you can't just be a fucking Gargano who we saw didn't get picked up by AEW. Right. Like not everybody in WWE has the same leverage that Drew currently has right now. Drew would have, have it. Gunther would have it. Sheamus would have it. Rollins. You know, Roman would have it. Rollins would have it. Yeah. But it's only the top, top of the card. I don't think Miz would have the same leverage. I don't think uh, Gargano would have the same leverage. I don't think Champa would have the same leverage type deal. Even like a Lashley, you know, they've, they've been booking him pretty strong, but I don't know that he would have that same leverage either because he's he's not a bad worker, um, but he's just, he's not the best talker. He's never cut like the best promos or anything. And I feel like his style is so WWE style that I'm not sure that... I mean, he could still threaten it, for sure. By the way, New but, Day would uh, have this leverage as well. Oh, 100%. Mostly just because of the, what they could do in their in AEW socials stuff. Like AEW just, socials, AEW games, stuff yeah. with Kenny Omega and the Elite. Oh my god, Absolutely. the stuff on the outside would be just as valuable as the stuff on the inside. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I, if I was Vince and Triple H, I'd be fucking holding onto their legs. Please don't go. Like, New Day has mm -hmm. that leverage for sure. Maybe even more so than a Drew McIntyre, honestly. Wow. All right, we'll keep an eye on that. Next up, let's talk about... I don't even know what's up next. Oh, yeah. TJPW live in Los Angeles. I watched this show on Fight TV, bought it for $20, was interested because I've never seen a TJPW show from start to finish. I've seen individual matches, obviously as a big fan of Maki Ito and, and uh, Wasteland War Party, but this was them coming over to the WrestleCon events in LA this past uh, weekend for WrestleMania, and everybody put on their shows and stuff. To watch the TJPW uh, show from start to finish was quite interesting. Um, definitely has its own vibe away from other shows. Um, Wasteland War Party won in LA, Maki Ito, and Miyu fucking lost their titles to the Magical Sugar Rabbits. Billy Starks, who we just saw in Battle of the Belts against Jade Cargill, she had a really good match with Tatsumi in the International Princess title match. Um, I think the show was like really well done and showed off what a TJPW show is to the American audience smoothly without like any hiccups. Like it wasn't like they just came over here and had a bunch of like sound problems or. Um, uh, language barrier problems or something. I thought the 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 ring announcer, whoever was like hosting the show at the beginning, did a really good job. Spoke English very well. Um, it was it was crazy. Like it, I I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, 
not because they can't wrestle or anything. The, the, the actual wrestling was really good all the way from the first match to the main event. It just, uh, I didn't know how the style was going to come off to me because I know it's something completely different over there. And this is a subset, I believe, of DDT type deal. Uh, kind of like what Stardom is with New Japan. So I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I, I enjoyed it. Like, if they have another show, I have no issue forking over the $20 to, to watch it again. I thought it was really good. I thought the the tag team match with Wasteland War Party was really fucking good. My favorite match was the International Princess title match. I thought that match was that match could have been on fucking WrestleMania, honestly, and people would have been talking about how good that was. That was a really good match. Um, but yeah, solid wrestling. The first match with free Wi-Fi winning... That's their tag team name, by the way. Free Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> so that was part of the... I started busting out laughing with these tag team names and, like, stable names and shit like that. I was like, Free Wi-Fi was one. Magical Sugar Rabbits was one. Uh, I forgot Maki Ito's tag team name. It's just a bunch of fucking numbers. It's yeah, like 121,000 or million or some shit like that. million or something. Yeah, something like that. It's like, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, so outside of that, uh, like, Billy Starks is, um, like... Uh, nickname wrestling nickname is like space jesus or something and she came out in a bunny hat or bunny head bunny mascot mm -hmm. head i was like what the fuck space jesus and then she comes out with a bunny easter head or whatever i was like what the fuck like they got some weird shit going on but it was a very enjoyable show from uh, start to finish i thought it was awesome i know you didn't watch it but if anyone didn't watch it and you would like to go watch a match from that show the international princess title match between billy starks and uh Tatsumi, go watch that match. It was good. It was really fucking good. I can't wait to see them uh, put on another show. Honestly, I'm, I still got it. I Ryan knows that this, but I got Wrestle Universe. Me and him, me and him use Wrestle Universe now, and TJPW and DDT, and I believe Noah are all a part of this. So I'm yeah. trying to keep up with TJPW along with all the other stuff that I do. So I've got, I watch NXT, I watch Raw SmackDown. Dynamite All Access, which we don't even talk about. We didn't even talk about today, but I want to talk about that probably next week. About because once we get a third episode under our belt, I think we can really give our like uh, concise thoughts and uh, on what we think the show is, or if we think it's good, or something that we'll continue watching stuff like that. I want to give it another at least another episode, but I think the first two episodes have been okay. Um, yeah. But uh, so I'm trying to keep up with that, obviously, and then of course. Uh, Rampage, of course, on Friday night as well. Still got to do the show. Still got to stream two or three times a week that I'm trying to get back into as far as regular gaming on Twitch and Kick and stuff like that. Uh, trying to edit videos with the YouTube and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of stuff I'm trying to keep up with. So, trying to add in TJPW on top of this out of nowhere is... Oh, and New Japan, obviously. Um, I feel like it's... I'm kind of spreading myself thin here. But, if all the shows are going to be that entertaining... I'm cool with it. Um, you also have access to... I also have access to MLW Fusion. I don't get around to watching it nearly as much as I want to. There's just a lot of shit going on. Um, that's why I wish... I wish I didn't have a full-time job so that I could fucking do, like, the Pat McAfee thing and just do a fucking episode every day. And then if that was my only job was wrestling, 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 that would be fucking fantastic. So that's why I, like... Quick shout-out to everybody that has shown any support to Ryan and I on the show and our YouTube channel because all that definitely helps and makes me want to keep doing it. But I am excited for a future TJPW show. Um, 
And the good thing about the the app is, even if you missed it, you can just go back and watch it on demand or whatever too. So that's cool too, for their regular shows. I mean. All right. Now let's get into. You ready for Usi or not Usi? Yeah. Let's go. All right. All three are WWE related. So here we go. Let's get it up the there. Let me get a. Uh, where's my? Okay, we're going to play the video first for everybody. Usi or not Usi time, let's do it! Just hasn't been very Usi. If you can't find your inner Usi again. Alright, here we go. There it is. Usi or not Usi. Ryan's going to tell us if it's Usi or not Usi. I don't know why that Logan Paul WWE thing keeps fucking popping up there. I gotta get that off there. That did shit they did that last time too. Very annoying. All right, hold on. I got an idea, actually. Oh, no, that didn't work. <laughs> Never mind, that didn't work. Oh, you know what? I do have something that'll work. Let's put this down here. Let's just delete the fucking layer. No, I can't right now. We'll do that. I can't do it right now. That's why I, I didn't do it. All right. Okay. Usi or not Usi? Endeavor, yeah. who owns UFC, purchases WWE. Usi who? or not Usi? For who? Usi for who? The fan? Them? Yeah, the fans. Yeah, 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 the fans. Well, I mean, it's hard to your say. opinion, so it's obviously your opinion, so you are the fan. So Endeavor purchasing WWE, Usi, or not Usi? I don't know enough yet to say, honestly. Um, I, there are ways where it could be good, and there are ways where they could fuck it up, so I'm, I'm not sure. Um, when they initially broke the news... Mm -hmm. What was your what was your initial reaction? Was it good or bad? My initial reaction was, oh fuck, everybody in WWE is going to be wearing uh, sponsorship logos on their oh, Jesus gear Christ. now. Um, that was actually my first thought. Yeah, uh, in Endeavor, my first thought was we're going to be paying eighty dollars for a fucking pay per view within the ESPN Plus app. Yeah, maybe that too. We'll see. Um, they better not, because they're they're going to not be around for long. <laughs> Well, yeah, because you've already conditioned your audience to think everything should be fucking $9.99 a month. That's a problem. Um, or less. So. My initial reaction to it was like. I'm not sure how separate they're going to keep the two companies. I don't want to see a bunch of fucking... MMA people will go do annoying little cameos and spots and shit in WWE where they do a punch or whatever on somebody and it knocks them out and Rollins has to pretend that he just got fucking knocked out because the guy's an MMA guy and it's, I fucking hate all that shit. I wish I'd stop doing it. It's so dumb. Um, like, it. every time they do anything like that, it sucks. I've never seen that work out. Um... I think as long as they keep them relatively separate, that the extra funding and the extra connections and some of the extra people from like a production point of view could be good for the product. Because if you look at a UFC event, the camera work, the stage, the arena, like the way everything's laid out, like they do a pretty good job with production of those events. Not to say WWE doesn't. WWE's production as far as stage design and things like that, I, I would argue are actually probably better. But with camera work and video production specifically, I think UFC does a lot better than WWE ever has. Um, and maybe that's Kevin Dunn's fault. It's whoever you want to blame it on. It's just the style that they, they film stuff in. Um, 
So there are definitely positive benefits that I could see coming out of it. But I think the negative is going to be whenever you have a large company that already has a company acquire what is essentially a sister company to them. The way that they handle that in a lot of cases, especially with administrative and office staff, is they say, well, we've got, you know, it's like when you move in with somebody after you get married, right? You've got two toasters now. You've got two fucking ovens. You've got two washers and dryer sets. And it's like, well, now we have, you know, eight accountants who could, we could really pare this down to four, six, whatever. We've got however many different heads of creative or heads of, you know, talent relations or whatever. And anybody at the top of that looking at any kind of uh, budget analysis chart or any sort of finance, uh, finances are going to say, well, why? this seems redundant. Can't we give these people here some of these people's workload and get rid of these people? And every time that happens, every time anybody does any sort of cost-benefit analysis like that, there's always a period of time where after they do that, the people that you've kept and given more workload and probably not compensated for the additional workload get really fucking pissed off and do a shitty job. And then the people that you've cut out sometimes are the people that are holding up those departments like we've i've seen that in the corporate environment a lot um so there is some worry with the merger if they're not leaving it as an independent company because they're always going to be like oh well now that we have this all under one umbrella we can reduce redundancy uh by offloading two sister companies work to whoever's doing management in one of them so there's definitely potential for fallout there and then if Endeavor ever decides that they do want to exercise any form of control over the WWE product, even though they've said for right now, yeah, Vince is in charge and he's going to leave his people in charge and Triple H is the creative, whatever. If they start getting returns on their investment like uh, Fox is getting or was getting, I don't know how they're doing now, but you know those numbers came out about Fox's return on what they were paying for television and they were fucking horrendous. It was like a loss every year ever since the purchase and the loss got bigger every year. Uh, maybe since the Bloodline stuff picked up and a lot more people seem to be watching now, maybe that's not as bad, but like, uh, it wasn't good. It definitely wasn't good. Um, and I could see a parent company looking at that and saying, well, you know, we should, we should send somebody in there to go figure out what's wrong and changing the product around as a result. So I'm not sure what kind of safeguards they have for that, but now that they've acquired it, that's always going to be a possibility. And they are always going to have shareholders to be beholden to and they're now going to be comparing the the performance of two completely different products under one banner, under one stock ticker, and saying, well, it seems like we're losing money on this side, so that's what we need to go in and change. Um, I, ideally, it would have been a company that didn't already have another somewhat competing product in their portfolio, um, just from a, from a WWE being able to maintain their sovereignty point of view. Um, I'm going to say not Usi just because of who it is and what the potential fallout of that might be because of who it is. Uh, as much as people didn't want to see, you know, Saudi or whoever buy it out, they probably would have been less likely to fuck with it from a presentation point of view in a way that could come off really negative because they don't actually understand the product. Yeah, it would have been, easy, it would have been a lot easier for Vince to swindle them. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. all right. So not Usi for that one. Usi or not Usi, Vince to remain in prominent role with the company and creative, despite what he says. Not Usi, very bad, very shit. You've already got really bad morale just from him being there on Monday and switching shit up like three times in 45 minutes. It, I don't know why he can't get the fuck out of everyone else's way at this point. It's so obnoxious. In the weeds. He can't be in the weeds, yet here we go. Third one, also related. 
This past WWE Monday Night Raw, Usi or not Usi. <laughs> Apparently, this was always the plan, so I don't know how much Vince had to do with this, but um. Whether Cody won or not, the plan was apparently for. Uh, no, Rock no, to be I'm the not. Next the the Lesnar photo is just something I took. We're not talking about oh, Lesnar okay. specifically. I'm talking about oh. the Raw, the entire yeah. episode of Raw. Yeah, it was dog Usi shit. or not Usi. Yeah, uh, it was complete dog shit. Absolutely. I was about to say you can't say that that um, was that was part of the plan when everybody was reporting that there was many fucking rundown sheets that were bringing brought being brought out, and then the clip of Seth Rollins telling him that his fucking segment got cut after he's already out there. Yeah. Dude, I would have been, dude, okay, so I said this to my friend, I didn't, I don't think I tweeted it out, but, dude, I watched that video of Rollins. If I'm real. Rollins right there, and I'm already out there, and they know I'm out there because we just went to commercial break, and they saw mm -hmm. me come out, I'm taking the mic, doing exactly what the fuck I was initially told to do, and then when I get back there, if Vince gets in my fucking face, I'm gonna be like, fire me. if you didn't want, yeah, exact, fire me, or then what the fuck did you send me out there for? Yeah, that was it, so it looked, dumb. I felt so bad for Rollins, dude. I was like, dude, out. And I feel like Rollins has that in him to do that too. But I don't know, man. It looked really bad, and I don't think anybody would have blamed him for it. And I think Triple H would have even understood. I think it's something he could have gotten away with. But you also have to remember, at the end of the day, he is—he's kind of a company guy. So now it's clear he's been getting frustrated with the company lately. Uh, I know he doesn't like the Cody push. He was—he said as much in a. He was definitely was not fucking working in the DC interview. Um, you could you could say some of it was a little bit in character, but I mean that was real resentment. Like you don't, it's it's pretty hard to fucking. Yeah, I mean if you're about to come to blows over it when he says that they yeah got a little testy backstage or whatever between the two. Yeah. So um, like I. But shouldn't that be an issue that he brings up with Vince, not Cody? That's not really Cody's fault. Either way. The, the point of that is, I think he could have done whatever the fuck he wanted to do in that promo, and then I think that it would have come out that he wasn't supposed to, that his segment got cut, that he decided on his own to do it, and then there was an issue backstage, and I don't think anybody would have been like, oh, he's so unprofessional. I think they would have been like, well, why the fuck did they send him out to have a promo if he wasn't supposed to cut a promo? No, I agree uh, with that part 100%, yeah. Alright, yeah. so like, okay, so a bonus little question here for you, for like a shooter kayfabe type deal. True or false, uh, with the Vince shit, the ripples of him being in the weeds have already been felt in what some feel was the worst episode of Raw ever and definitely the worst Raw after Mania ever. Do you feel the same way? It was really bad. It, it, it was. was. It was very bad. I it was very I don't even think I finished it, dude. I it was one of the okay, so when so people get an idea, obviously I work there I work night shift or whatever, so when I come home at lunch, I'll start Raw because Raw's three fucking hours and like I just mentioned earlier in the show. I got a lot of wrestling and shit to consume throughout the week. I got to watch it when I can, right? So I don't have to fucking waste more time later. So it's either three hours when I get home in the morning, or is it or is it like two hours or two hours and 15 minutes or whatever when I get home. I didn't even finish watching the show. I watched the 45 minutes and then I went to YouTube to watch the highlights of like the top 10, which isn't even really top 10 moments overall. It was just garbage <laughs> anyway so that i could see what happened on the rest of the raw because the fucking first 45 minutes all i saw was a fucking 30 second omas squash match and a lot of fucking talking and nothing happening it was brutal what the how is how is that a, your first 45 minutes after the fucking wrestlemania you just had how they had a they had a commercial free they had a commercial free first hour 
And of that first hour, there was a minute 40, I think it was like a minute 42 of actual wrestling. And it was an Omos versus Elias squash match. Yep. Yeah. It was fucking terrible. It was, it was terrible. I, I, I kept waiting for something to happen and nothing ever fucking happened. And uh, that was it. That's the story of that, that episode. Kyle, so bad. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely the worst Raw after WrestleMania. I know everybody went on there and like killed Cage Match with ratings and stuff like that. I there's over fucking what twelve hundred episodes of Raw or some shit. I don't know if it's the worst episode of Raw ever. It but was it's the in the third. Running. No, no, no. It was the third worst wrestling show on. No, I understand all of that. But there's also forever. people that just went to go fucking comment on that one. There's not that many ratings on every single Raw. Is my point. People the rush point- to Cage Match to go fucking comment on that on that show sure but the the other argument that you would make out of that is it was so bad that people did that and the other ones weren't yeah that's just because it was after wrestlemania that's why i said yes it's easily the worst raw after wrestlemania but is it the worst raw of all time i don't i can't say that for sure you'd have to watch literally every raw and remember every raw which i've watched almost every raw that's ever existed but I don't have notes written down on every single one. I'd have to go back and literally watch them all again to see which one is the worst one, which I'm never going to I'm never going to do that cuz fuck that. But yeah, it's in the running. I'll say that. Yeah, I just looked um it's currently at a 0.63. Did anybody put a bullshit 10 rating up there like the WWE marks that like to do that dumb shit? Three yeah. bullshit 10 ratings. Yeah. That that literally just did that because they're trying to troll. Cuz there's Stand no way that anybody video. can watch that show and say it was a 10. Your main one event the, didn't even happen. It was a garbage show. Here's here's one of the 10 ratings. Greatest Raw of all time. Literally nothing but absolute bangers. The only people who hate it are just Twitter users who think every match should involve 900 flips and a trillion finisher kickouts. Amazing show. Wrestling is back. Omos and Elias was a five-star classic that no one is ready to admit, but I promise in due time, people will love it. Trust. Yeah, it's clearly a troll. That's clearly <laughs> a troll. Yeah. So, yeah. So the rating should be much lower. Um, some people aren't even rating it. They're just leaving comments. So it's not like a, it's not like, oh, people are just on here to shit on it, whatever. Like, because when you first sign up for cage match, I don't think they let you rate anything for some period of time after your first comments. And so it looks like a bunch of people logged in really just to leave a comment on it, even though they can't rate it. So because they'll go back and rate it later. Probably. I don't think it, I don't think it lets you do that. I think you have to do the rating with the comment. So, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how cage match works. I wish I wish I would have known a long time ago that I could just do that though, because with my background in creative writing and my love of wrestling, I feel like I could have done some really good write ups on cage match, most, honestly. Most but I don't have time now, obviously, as we've mentioned. But anyway, yeah. that's Usi or not Usi. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We got two more segments left. Let's do it. We gotta talk about uh let me get that off of there. We got to do the monster quiz. You ready for the monster quiz? Sure. Monster quiz and mark that tweet are the only things left. Here is the monster quiz. Let's give Ryan his prediction. I mean, not the prediction, but the quiz championship. There it is. The quiz champion right there. He is uh, currently seven and two. Seven wins, two losses. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. This could be a thousand day reign right here. Um, Let's see what he has to say about this one. Monster quiz. Oops, forgot because I turned off the text earlier. There we go. Sorry, my bad. There it is. How many Gaijin have held the top prize in New Japan Pro Wrestling history? Is it 8, 9, or 10? 
So you got Kenny, Lesnar, Kurt Angle, Jay White. Ten's too many. Problem is I don't remember all the old ones. Ten ten's too high. It's either eight or nine. Oh, Bob Sapp had it. Fuck, I forgot about that. Vader had it. I'm not going to remember. I, I Okay, I'm not going to remember all of them because I already can't remember eight. I can only remember so far. So now I have to think about the way that you formed the question, which is how many for the top prize? You have 10 is definitely too high, but I think you want me to think that 8 is too low. So you want me to pick 9. But I know that 10 is too high and you want me to pick 9. I'll give you a hint. It's one of them. It's a... <laughs> I already know. Thank you. It's not a hint when I already said that. I think it's eight. Because comparatively speaking to the macho man Randy Savage, you are nothing but garbage, yeah. Nothing but garbage, Gaina. Osprey was number nine. So it's Scott Norton, Vader, Bob Sapp, Lesnar, Angle, Jay White, Kenny Omega, and there's some fucking, uh, the dude that beat Vader was also a gaijin. I don't remember his fucking name. He was, um, uh, he was some, like I think a, Slovenia, maybe? The Russian-Polish last name guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was nine. Okay. And I had to say top prize because... It's you know, names. They, yeah, they can, they do the different fucking third world title, first world title, you know, shit like that. Like, fucking annoying. Super confusing. People think that WWE title shit is confusing. But no, it is, uh, it's nine. Okay. Close, though. Close, close, yeah. close, close. I mean, I figured you, I, I mean, I thought you were going to get it, honestly. But then I was thinking the same shit, like, at first, like, you're like, uh, oh, shit, Bob Sapp, too. And I was like, oh, he's never going to get the fucking that other dude that beat Vader. Yeah. I didn't even know who the fuck he was when I was looking through the shit. I was like, what the fuck? Um, and I figured this would be an easier. was a dark time. In that when I figured this was, I figured this was an easy question than saying how many Gaijin reigns have there been, which would have been more because Vader had it, had it multiple times. Yeah. Omega had it multiple times, you know, stuff like that. Jay White's had it multiple times, I believe. I think Vader's had it three times. Um, so yeah, so I just went with the number of Gaijin instead. I figured that'd be easier. The and ones I remember I don't know. were obviously Jay White, Kenny Omega, Vader, Sap, 
Lesnar, AJ Styles, um, AJ Scott Norton. I didn't remember. I did not remember Scott Norton. I probably should have. And I didn't remember the uh, whatever the fuck the Russian Tana guy's name is. But I know who you're talking about now that you mentioned it. Um, I thought for a second that uh, Angle had it, and then I, I was thinking about it more. And I was like, that doesn't that doesn't sound right. Um, because I'm I'm pretty sure that. Uh, No, Angle did have it. Angle lost it to Nakamura. For some reason, well, they count that. That would be 10 then, wouldn't it? No, it's not 10. If Angle had it. Hold on, I'll tell you. Because I, I, I already counted it. I counted it multiple times. Trust me, it's, it's nine, rather. Oh, let me go to... Hold on, let me go to... Uh, All right, it's Vader, Salman Hajmikov, Scott Norton, Bob Sapp, Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles, Kenny Omega, Jay White. Oh no, they don't. They don't count Omega. Uh, Angle. My bad. So that's eight, and then Osprey. So nine. Oh, I guess they don't count Angle because he was part of that other shit when Lesnar dropped it to him. The uh, the Anoki uh, Federation thing. genome, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, that's why they don't count Angle. So you're right. They don't count Angle. So yeah, I think they should. I guess if he would have beat Nakamura, they would have had no, they would have had no, uh, no reason not to. All right, because, let's go to. I mean, I the the match with Nakamura was a unification match of the of the two, right? I assume so, but they don't count it. Weird. Oh, sorry, I did. I uh, muted myself. Yeah, I thought it was weird too. Uh, let's go to... Okay. Hmm. You ready for Mark That Tweet? I got a special one for you this time, buddy. Sure. I got a special Mark That Tweet for you. Let's do it. This is our favorite part of the show. This is where we take a really terrible wrestling take, put it up on the screen, and then pick it apart. Boom, you're roasted. You ready for this? Here, this is from at Hypersonic Pika. So, with a cartoon anime-like profile pick you already know it's going to be good okada is a choreographed performer who can do nice flips and tumbling sequences every match i listed here is better than anything i've seen him do hell i pulled some obscure ass matches out to prove a point don't say okada is anywhere near brock lesnar all right scale of like one to n how confident are you that this person is not trolling I'm pretty confident. Are you saying this because they're replying to Jobber Nation? Yeah. No, they're clearly agreeing with Jobber Nation, though. I'm pretty confident they're not trolling. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, that just doesn't seem. Uh, okay. I. <laughs> hmm. Have it. 
When's the last time you remember Okada doing a flip? Um, unless am I doing a move to him to make him flip? Yeah, never. Like yeah, when he's selling yeah, yeah. like a really big. He's not doing maybe. swanton bombs and four fifties. Yeah. No, yeah. he's he's not. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to find the. Hold on, I'm gonna find the tweet because I need to see what the fuck they're replying to. Because you also ridiculous. need to find the list of matches that he pulled. The that, obscure well, Lesnar matches. I would love to. I would love to see the list of those that prove that Lesnar's better than Okada. Don't say Okada is anywhere near Lesnar. Was the direct quote from at Hypersonic Pika. There's absolutely no fucking shot this person's serious. Have they deleted it since? That's a great question. I don't know. It would be in replies. I just don't see how anybody could say on any level as far as pro wrestling is concerned that Lesnar is better than Okada. I'm sorry, but before I get too into this, I need to make absolutely sure this person's serious. Person's serious, bro. There's there's no way. You think people like serious. that don't exist? Is that you're trying to tell me? I don't think anybody is, that is aware of Okada. They're clearly not. If they think he does flips and tumbling. It's got to be like a... It's not, maybe dude. Were, maybe, the, maybe they're just filling in words for what somebody else wrote somewhere else. That's what it seems like. God, this guy never shuts the fuck up about Hardcore Holly. Jesus. Do you have the date on that, on yours? No, I don't think so. Uh, it looks like they've deleted it. I was about to say, did you not just go to the profile and type in Okada? Uh, yeah, it looks like they deleted it. I deleted it because they got fucking murdered in the replies. That's the only thing I can think of. I mean, that... Which would indicate that it was not trolling, by the way. So uh, where do you want to begin on this? Hold on, this still just doesn't make sense. Hold on. Like, there's no shot of that person's serious. Uh, okay. Well, they, um, it's a consistent position, at least, uh, going all the way back to who the fuck knows how long they have been saying similar things about Okada for a while. Um... O Omega and Okada was a shitty indie-style mark match. Okay, let's just focus on the tweet at hand. Now that you know that it's not trolling. I'm sorry, this is a wildly fucking stupid. Um, okay. Okada versus Lesnar. I mean, if it took me that long to figure out if they were even being serious, I... I what do you even say to something that fucking dumb? Um... 
I wanted to find the list of matches that they were talking about because maybe they were pointing to like some of his super early stuff, but his super early stuff, one of the big reasons that he was over was because he could do a shooting star press, which is a nice flip and tumbling sequence. Um, the The funny thing is here, I I don't recall Okada ever being a flippy wrestler, except for maybe when he was in Impact a little bit. You can, you can kind of say he was in Impact. But as long as he's been the Rainmaker, he, he doesn't do flippy shit. He doesn't do tumbling sequences. He's very much like a... He's a pretty straightforward professional wrestler. Does a lot of holds, does a lot of lariats, does a lot of, like, stiff striking work. Like... Um, I, I'm honestly just too fucking dumbfounded to even be upset about it. It's it's such a... They either literally have never actually watched an Okada match. Correct. That's what I, that's where I'm going. They've never, they being, don't even know who the fuck Okada is. Or they I got to mix that, up with somebody else. It's like a, also make they're being, racist. they're literally being contrarian. Like, it's like... I know that people like Okada. I know he's a Japanese wrestler. Here's the thing I, I could say, though. You talked about his style, right? With the flipping yeah. and all that stuff. The New Japan style isn't even flips and tumbling yeah. sequences. No, it takes way more from Lucha Libre. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, the flipping stuff, I mean, takes way more from Lucha Libre. It's not a, it's not a Japanese strong style at all. Hmm. Um, should I just go ahead and hit them, hit them with the, with, hit them with the MJF? Because I mean, I don't have really anything else to say. There's no way anyone can watch an Okada match and watch a Lesnar match at any points in their career, outside of like you said the, the Impact days or TNA days, because they didn't really do nothing with them anyway. Yeah. And say that Lesnar is so far above Okada that you're not allowed to say Okada is anywhere near Lesnar. What the fuck does that even mean? What are you talking about? Okada is widely regarded as one of the best, if not the best pro wrestler in the world and has been for a decade. The nice thing about when people use um, anime profile pictures is that it's like a big neon, don't ever take anything I have to say seriously sign for me um for a lot of people that and bunch it, of numbers in the username that and a bunch of numbers anime profile pictures uh any anybody with like 50 fucking flags in their name or bio or whatever um <laughs> yeah that, that that he's uh anything anything referencing sonic actually that's a pretty good one too if you're uh if you base any part of your personality on sonic you're probably just a fucking weirdo and uh, you probably have some really shit takes about a lot of things. So, and you probably want to fuck cartoon characters. So I don't really care about your opinion on pro wrestling. Um, the the only thing that I could I could think of where I would say that Lesnar is um, good enough at to say that o that Okada is um, close to him is that at the peaks of both of their careers 
They were both similar in being presented as real threats to everyone in their division. And I would say that Lesnar... When Lesnar wants to sell, he does a he does a pretty good job selling. But I wouldn't say that he sells better than Okada. Now you don't have to you don't have to come in here and act like you need to defend Lesnar. You can be a fan of Lesnar and still say that Okada is way fucking better than Lesnar. Just I, I can't imagine what the fuck this person is talking about. No, you like don't the, need in, to play devil's advocate. Some people are just stupid. Some people just need to have the video played for them after you read the goddamn tweet on on the on the show. You know what? Uh, we don't have to dissect this one, really. Here's here's the problem. Here's the problem, right? So it's like <clears throat> people will say shit like, you know, it's just an opinion. Everybody's opinion is uh, valid or whatever the fuck. But no, some opinions are just straight up fucking wrong. If you can't validate the point of view that you have with something that makes sense, I don't give a fuck that it's an opinion. Your opinion can be wrong. Like if you tell me it's your opinion that Pac-Man had better graphics than fucking God of War. That could be your opinion, but it's fucking wrong. By no measure can you substantiate that. And that's how I feel about this. It's like, by no measure can you substantiate that Okada isn't anywhere near, let alone fucking not just outright better than Lesnar. You're out of your fucking mind. It's not an opinion. You're just wrong. Yeah, there was a, there was a quote from a show that said, uh, being wrong is a is its own thing. You can't be any more wrong. And they are like, well, you can say tomatoes not a fruit, which is wrong. But if you say it's, if you say tomato is a is a fucking uh, is an overpass, then no, you're more wrong. Like that, you can be more wrong yeah. than just a bullshit wrong. Which is, I think, what you're kind of saying in the same way. Like you can say that I prefer Lesnar matches over Okada matches, but you can't sit there and say that Okada is nowhere near Lesnar as far as wrestling ability is concerned. It's not even like you you would have been okay without saying the nice the the nice flips and tumbling part which is not accurate already. So that's not even an opinion. You're just saying that he does nice flips and tumbling which means you've never seen an Okada match. And then like let's say you take that part out and if you take out that very last sentence, this wouldn't even be on the show. This wouldn't even be on the show, dude. But because you put that first sentence and that last sentence in there, you made yourself out to be one of the dumbest fucking wrestling takes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. This um, this reminds me of when people who are really far up Cornette's ass for whatever reason will find some reason to talk shit about Kenny Omega like literally every one of his peers in the industry and old people from the industry too. Like fucking, uh, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts or whoever don't all universally say Kenny Omega is the best fucking wrestler they've ever seen. Like it's it's that kind of shit. It's like I I have to be contrarian because I have nothing better to do, um, and it, it gives me attention. So yeah, yeah, doing it for views or whatever. But I mean, when you're when you're already not in that position anyway to garner that that attention, like the random anime profile picks are, then what's hey, the Persona point? Dica. What's the point of saying it? What's the point of saying it then? Oh, Besides maybe... just being a being a terrible judge of wrestling in general some people have humiliation fetishes where they love to be yelled at and uh, i mean if they loved it they wouldn't have deleted the tweet <laughs> maybe you got off and then it was like all right <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, oh, i'm done with it yeah i did, so I did that, my biz. Yeah, yeah that maybe. post not clarity yeah well we got we got something for at hypersonic pika anyway for this fantastically dumb take and this is brought to you by mjf of course as is every other week let's go what do you got for him mjf 
You don't know shit. Your opinions suck. You fucking mark. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. There you go. Your opinions suck. You don't know shit. You fucking mark. <laughs> As always. Fantastic. Um, great show. I knew it was going to be a long show. That's fine. It won't be that long once I take out the video game part of the beginning of it, hopefully. Um, but there we go. There you have it. That's the show. We got some more stuff coming for you next week. Don't forget to come back. We're live every Sunday on Twitch and now kick as well. You can also catch us on YouTube. Just type in at Real MonsterCast in the YouTube search bar and we will pop up. Subscribe to our channel and we have the smaller versions of all these uh, all these segments that we've covered on the show and we'll post them throughout the week in case you missed anything or you just want to view it in a um, in smaller increments. But I had fun. It was real. Hopefully I'm not super sick next week. Hopefully this goes away. Um, and also, always remember, don't listen to the weathermen. Okay? There's always a 50% chance of rain. Deuces!